you wanted the best, you got the best. Would you settle for slightly above average? All right then, have we got a show for you. Coming to you live out of the Gutter Man Cave in beautiful Louisville, Kentucky. Here are your hosts, Andre Dominguez and Mike Gutterman with the Negative Positives Podcast. Yes, 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 yes. Hello and welcome to the Negative Positives Podcast, episode number 288. I'm your host, Mike Gutterman, coming to you from a very mild Gutterman cave. That's the uh, the Johnny Sisson weather radar uh, weather report uh, going on in this episode. We're starting to do. We're starting to be like uh, the guys on Classic Camera, no, not Classic Lenses podcast, where they talk about the weather at the beginning of every episode. <laughs> but it's supposed to get. It's supposed to drop like I don't know another twenty, thirty degrees tonight and get cold again. So, but it's been a very nice day today. But a little rainy. But there you go. So uh, uh, this is the Monday episode, and uh, so that means everyone's favorite co-captain all the way out in. La La Land, the city of angels, Los Angeles, California, Mr. Andre Dominguez. How are you doing tonight, Andre? Good evening, Mike. Uh, here in Southern California, <laughs> it is a brisk uh, 65-ish degrees Fahrenheit and slightly rainy. <laughs> that's about, that's kind of close to where we're at. We might be a few degrees uh, less than that, but uh, it's supposed to drop like crazy tonight. So yeah, but, yeah not too bad. Uh, a little rainy here too. So it's, it's almost like we're, it's almost like we're in the same location, Andre. <laughs> oh, I wish. <laughs> All right. So uh, tonight's guest, very special guest, is none other than Lori Brooks. And I believe you're all the way out in California as well. Is that right? correct, Lori? Uh, yeah, San Francisco Bay Area. I, I just checked my forecast. Uh, I'm like 55 <laughs> degrees here in uh, Santa Clara. So oh, wow. a little bit colder. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it it kind of actually makes me feel good when I hear people out in California, you know, not, not necessarily uh, basking in warm weather while it's cold here. So it kind of kind of makes me feel a little less, a little less jealous. So, but uh. <laughs> yeah, I, I think those uh, ultra low guys in LA, they, they, they say that I'm like north of the, uh, the wall, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever well, that means. I don't know. I think it's a Game of Thrones thing. <laughs> well, you had to ask Andre about that. He's he's an expert at that. He really liked the way that show ended too. So, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, Lori, this is your first time on the uh, on the podcast. So, how about you uh, tell the fine folks a little bit about yourself uh, and how, how you got into this film photography uh, madness? Uh, yeah, I guess I've not been into it too long. Uh, I, I remember using a camera growing up. Um, I have actually my. A, a, a camera that my grandfather gave me that I used a little bit um, when I was a lot younger. Then I kind of stopped um, with it. Um, and then. Was it an APS about, camera? No, it was actually an <laughs> Agfa Isolette. So, oh, there you um, go. There you go. I, uh, I got the shot at the, uh, the, 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 those cameras have a, a tendency to jo- uh, lock up on the, the focus uh, um, uh, on it. So I, I kind of got that working again after probably oh, 30 years in a, in storage. And then uh, it's not at the light. It's light tight. So um, I, I have to run a roll of film through it. I haven't actually put any film through it yet. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually working. Um, and, awesome. uh, but, you know, I, I kind of uh, did a little bit of digital photography for a bit um, with the micro four thirds. And then uh, I decided I was going to do some uh, – some film stuff get back into film again because uh 
it always you know was pretty cool i remember doing it you know a long time ago with the film and mm-hmm. just started getting back into it i think my first camera was an olympus omg because you know that that the name of that camera is just, <laughs> it's, it's just it's just so hilarious so yeah that was my first olympus uh the first of uh, many i have lots of olympus stuff so um which will like probably go over in the as we as we talk tonight but yeah, yeah. Uh, and, um, I, I saw some of the olympus gang uh, kind of kind of trying to rise up some forces on the questions uh, to you in the uh in the facebook group so yeah <laughs> a lot of them were very happy they're having one of the, one of the olympus gang on the, on yeah, the show i guess uh, yeah good, good good uh good at cameras what would you say they were i mean you, your pentax is like the working man's camera oh I, absolutely uh, uh, I don't Olympus. know what, what the Olympus is, though. Uh, the, yeah, I don't know those guys. Those guys are all uh, they. Uh, yeah, they're they're just they're. I don't even. I don't have words for them. They they just uh, they're just trying to be a Pentax uh, guy, guy. I guess I don't know. Just but that's that's. I'll let them have their fun. I guess so. <laughs> Olympus reminds me of you know like the the sophisticated, discerning like you know upper middle class uh, man's SLR. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, I mean, they, they did enough to have Leica get really uh, um, annoyed with them when they released the OM um, and true. made them change the name. So That's yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I guess they, I guess they probably are a little more a little more uh, upscale as far as like income level as uh, than the Pentax. We're, we're the we're, we're the we're the salt of the earth. The Pentax guys are you know working men, you know. So but that, uh, <laughs> that, that, that's true. They're, they've they've released some really wacky ca- some really kind of interesting cameras um, over the years. Some really kind of almost concept cameras as well, which are going for crazy money on uh, eBay at the moment. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so you, when you returned to film, was there something like was when you kind of made your return back to it? Was there something that like really resonated with you? Like, oh, okay, this is uh, this is way cooler than I remember, or this is as cool as I remember. What was your thought when you got back uh, into film? I think that because I was last shooting film when I was a lot younger, and I would, um, you know, I, I would take the pictures and then send them off to be developed, and and yeah, you know, that was that, and just get the the photographs back but now as i'm older i was like oh i can actually do the whole process from end to end um so that made it a lot more fun i think and obviously we've got the scanners now and you know the ability to to scan your film and and, and share it online and just mm-hmm. stuff that really wasn't available back when i was originally shooting film um she pretty much had to have it you know developed sure yeah now we can kind of do it all in-house now which is kind yeah of yeah a, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's it's made it a whole lot. I remember even when I first got into film uh, photography, seriously, it was probably late '90s, early 2000s, around that that time frame. Uh, I was still getting a lot of film developed, and um, I don't even think I started self-developing till probably mid 2000s, somewhere around there. And then color, not until gosh, a couple of years ago when I when I finally got really heavy back into film for a second time is when I finally started doing color developing because I think the FPP talked me into it. I think the FPP talked a lot of people into color color developing, <laughs> truthfully. Oh, that's yeah. funny because mm. I actually started on color um, and then I moved to black and white. I was initially, my first role I developed was color. Uh, so yeah, I, I kind of did things the other way around. Mm-hmm. I think Sherry Christensen did the same thing. She thinks she started with color first too, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's super easy. I find it really easy, almost easier than black and white in some respect. 
I agree. I, I actually developed two rows last night of color. I had like literally just maybe a 45 minute window. My wife wanted me to develop a, a row that I'd shot of her of some portraits. And she's like, uh, you know, if you can get it done by 10 PM, why don't you go ahead and try to get that film developed? And I was thinking, man, if it's black and white, there's no way I'm going to get that done. But color, I popped it out real quick, you know, like in 40 minutes, I'd developed two rows and that's, that's with getting all my chemicals out and get them warmed up and everything else. It still didn't take very long at all. You know, that's like, that's, uh, that's like, Walgreens speed like one hour photo kind of thing. <laughs> that's right that's right yeah and the kind of cool thing was is i was able to uh you know scan them and then print some uh, uh prints out of the portrait session i took of her on my inkjet uh like all the same night i felt like my own personal mini lab it was pretty nice. pretty it's cool you know going from uh from developing to scanning to printing all in a matter of a couple hours was uh it was kind of neat. I was like, yeah, yeah, who needs digital? I'm pretty much almost instantaneous, right? So, <laughs> it's dry so quick. What's that? How'd you get it to dry so quick? Uh, well, there was a couple hours between the time I developed and the time I actually made it out here to the uh, the man cave with where the scanner is. So, uh, but yeah, there were. I was probably just a couple. I was probably two or three hours before I got back out here after developing, and and they were dry, you know, and no problems whatsoever. So. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Things seem to dry real fast out here. I mean, do you have trouble getting your negatives to dry quick, Andre? I mean, right now I'm I'm doing all of my developing at the office, mm-hmm. um, and so I, I I don't really tend to notice it because I'm I'm usually scanning it on the following day. But when when you said like a couple of hours, I thought it was like everything start to finish within two hours. Oh no no, there was there was I mean yeah the. Uh, uh, between the developing and the scanning and printing was there was a couple hour break where I hung out with the family a little bit. So yeah. Um, so yeah, but okay. Uh, well, Lori, I think we got a little bit of a, a peek into, uh, uh, how you got back into this madness and we have a ton of questions. So not really a, a whole lot of reason to dive too deep right now because there's tons of questions to you. I think we're going to learn a whole lot more about you through the uh, Facebook questions in the next segment. So, uh, how about we go ahead and get into, uh, what we generally do on this segment, which is our, talk about our weeks. And we always start with Mr. Andre Dominguez. So what have you been up to uh, this week, brother? Well, uh, since the, the past week, haven't really done any actual film photography per se, but I have received uh, a few things and also some uh, exciting developments at the, at the Cinestill office. Um, I received, much like Mike did, a copy of Roxana's uh, completely handmade zine, uh, folks who have already, you know, watched Mike's um, weekend face cast will have <laughs> a little bit of it and and heard its praises sung already. But for those of you who perhaps aren't in the uh, negative positives Facebook group, uh, man, this is such like a you know number one beautiful zine by our uh, future co-host, but also a very novel way of kind of going at it. You uh-huh. you. Uh, the folks who are going down the, you know, route of uh, perhaps using an HP printer with the uh, HP ink program thing. You've got the folks like Ian Barnaby Nutt who are doing stuff on Mixam, uh, people doing zines on Blurb. What Roxana did, uh, as far as I remember with the phone call that I made to her the following day to thank her, was that she uh, just got them printed at Costco and uh, what was it? She 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 got the prints printed at Costco and then like pasted them inside of the actual like booklet that she like hand binded together with like a needle and thread. It's mm-hmm. the coolest 
thing that I've like received in a long, long time. And now I'm kind of regretting saying that because the other thing that I received, that was a, a, a little while ago. But the other thing that I received today was a zine from none other than uh, Mr. Barry Hitterman, who is out there in Canada. And the name of the zine is called California A, <laughs> a Canadian's take on the SoCal coastline <laughs> by Barry Hitterman. And then the little tagline is, my two rolls of Kodak X while out on a photo walk with the L.A. film gang. You know who you are. October 2019, developed in DEF 96. And it's just a bunch of really beautiful uh, black and white images taken around the like the Santa Monica pier uh, on our walk in between you know Santa Monica and Venice Beach uh, just really really beautiful printed work that I've received uh, from from two very dear friends in the past week and I, I just really couldn't be happier uh, than to receive these and to already put them on my my list of people to send things to most likely in the new year because there is no way that I'm going to get to all that before the end of the year. <laughs> yeah, when I saw Roxana zine, I, the first thing I thought of was, wow, uh, you know, because I did my first zine uh, all on my HP printer and kind of did it all myself. But hers looks so much better than mine. I was like, oh, I should have done it like this. This is way cooler. And and I also thought, well, you know what? Andre's been kind of thinking about doing a zine. And I, c- I can see you doing something like this, uh, pasting the uh, actual like HP prints onto a, a booklet that you kind of bind somehow. I could, I could see that being something that might open a open a, at least a little bit of um, you know an idea on your mind about how to do a zine, right? I think so. I think that like uh, if I can, if I can just uh, you know fold a uh, what's it called a you know eight eight and a half by eleven mm-hmm. sheet or ten sheet of like you know photo paper uh, in in half, and and I actually want to put that through the typewriter and see if it if it smudges on that type of paper. Um, have it to to where I just you know format the the pictures on 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 a word doc or something it doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be see but just so that i can kind of just fold it up myself and and uh have the any written sections out typed out on the typewriter you know i think that would be a really easy way to to do it and that's that's a goal that i have for for the new year but we'll we'll see yeah yeah i'm sure we'll be talking about our our new year's resolutions uh, once 2020 hits we'll probably wait till we get roxanne on and kind of have all three of us talk about what we want to do in, in 2020. Cause I, I've got some, some ideas myself kind of percolating, but, uh, uh, but yeah. Uh, anything else, Andre? Uh, over at the Cinestill, uh, office, we are getting ready to do a massive, uh, you know, probably few days of shipping out orders for our, our black Friday sales that we did. Uh, I think three, yeah, three, um, pretty, pretty cool, um, starter kits, uh, that include some different developing tanks uh, between Labbox uh, Daylight Developing Tanks as well as our new partnership with Jobo, uh, which I think is actually going to be you know pretty great. I, I tend to really like the Jobo tanks. They have historically been uh, a lot more expensive than Patterson tanks, but hopefully now we can uh, help you know bring the the price down with these starter kits that we're we're doing with their tanks and our developing chemistry uh Mm. the actual reels themselves i find a lot better than the the ratchety type um patterson reels Mm. as well as the fact that for the the 120 size and not that you can't do this with patterson tanks i've seen people like 
stapling the two ends of, of um, you know, 120 film together so that you can load two on the same reel without the fear of it like overlapping. But with mm. the Jobos, you've actually got like a little clip on the side that you can, you know, put the first roll of 120, kind of get it all uh, up in there until it gets like as close to the center as possible, and then snap on the little clip, which is essentially puts a little piece of plastic in the track of the the film and then you just put in the second roll of of 120 until it hits that little piece of plastic so you can effectively get two rolls of 120 on the the reel uh and i'm just i'm just excited to 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 see people kind of get more into the the jobo system not even necessarily you know consider getting the the actual processing machines but just uh become familiar with a with a new not new but probably new to a lot of folks in in north america at least uh developing tank and see if they like it i personally love the fact that you can like put on the extenders so that you don't have to have like a standard patterson tank that takes two reels and then one of like the ones that takes three and one of the ones that takes five and i've got the lids that tend to be kind of to put on and leak um you know, starting out with like a two reel tank that can do two reels of 35 or two reels of 120 in that one, and then buying an extender. Um, I, I pretty much these days will usually develop uh, five rolls of 35 at a time with the Jobo 1520 with the 1530 extender, which gives me five reels, and I'm just putting that, you know, either inverting it or just kind of rotating it on the on the little roller base thing that we're probably going to sell in the not too distant future uh just doing constant agitation but without needing the jobo processor uh cool things happening cool things happening and i'm looking forward to uh more product releases in the in the new year and that's that's all say about that that's awesome so in a way you guys are sort of taking a little bit of a a page out of what Ilford's doing with Patterson, where they're kind of putting together a sort of a, a starter kit uh, with uh, Patterson and Ilford. So you guys are kind of joining up with Jobo to kind of do some uh, something similar, then, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, very very, cool. very similar uh, thought process, and it's it was great to to see the the collaboration between uh, Ilford and, and Patterson on that. I think it's really going to help uh, a lot of people get into it. So uh, yeah, just great news all around for these little <laughs> partnerships between between companies like uh more more cynical people would, would view us as as competitors but rising tide lifts all boats and we you know i'd like i like in my kind of lovey-dovey yet also realistic uh, viewpoint of this industry like to think that you know we're we're all colleagues in this space and i'm, I'm excited for for these partnerships and anything that can get more people into film and more people into developing at home is a good thing in my book Mm-hmm. Maybe we just need Kodak to team up with like AP or something and get a, a starter kit going, and everybody would have one, right? So, <laughs> See, you never know. <laughs> there you go. All right, Andre, is that pretty much your week? Yep. Awesome. Well, Lori, uh, I know you're you're always a. Uh, uh, Always in, in doing a lot of madness from what I've seen on the Facebook uh, group lately with some of your developing adventures and stuff. <laughs> but so, uh, what have you, you been up to lately? What have you been doing? Oh, um, okay. So, where do I begin? I. Film-wise, I didn't do anything developing-wise or project-wise last week, mm-hmm. but that's mm-hmm. because I was uh, traveling. I uh, I was I just got back from a week in England visiting my parents. So awesome! I uh, I flew on Thanksgiving, uh, took a, a flight over from San Francisco to Heathrow, 
and then uh, got the coach down to the south coast. My parents live in a town called uh, Bournemouth, uh, which is on in the south coast of England. Um, so I was there for a week. Um, I think I posted before I went out what cameras I was taking, and everyone was kind of amazed because I went <laughs> kind of the opposite route to everyone else, where I literally took just one camera with me. Oh, wow. And and ended up just using that one camera um, the whole time. What was time. the winner? Uh, the Olympus XA. Okay, small and light, the, uh, yeah. Yeah, with the uh, A16 flash. Although I didn't really end up using the flash much at all. Uh, I just uh, used it mostly at, during daylight hours. And it was, it was actually, I was very lucky with the weather. The week before I went, it was raining. And this week it's going to be raining. But um, the week I was there last week... Uh, there was a uh, one day of a little bit of rain, but the other days were uh, were dry, but um, but cold. Uh, mm -hmm. So you know you, you can't have everything. But um, <laughs> no, uh, it, at least it didn't rain, so I was able to go out and get take some uh, take some photos with the uh, the uh, Olympus. Um, I I did have a bunch of cameras waiting for me uh, that that at my uh, parents' house that they that my dad's actually now looking. Uh, scouring the auctions now for cameras for me nice. so that's kind of <laughs> cool um yeah, yeah it is yeah so was it nice to be in back and did you ever like photograph that town uh how long have you been in the united states uh, about 20 years now in okay. the states um so i i took a couple of pictures growing up there actually on that acfa before um i moved out here but i i, I couldn't tell you where those are um uh -huh. but um so yeah it was good to go back and uh and just walk around and, and take some pictures um, with the with um, with the Olympus. I shot mostly color film actually while I was okay. um, some. Um, I I took like uh, eight rolls of film and flying out. I was actually able to uh, ask uh, the uh, the the TSA to to hand you know hand check my film. Um, there was a sign at San Francisco saying anything um, higher than eight hundred. Um, mm -hmm. you can have hand checked because um, I, I know there's been some posts recently on a couple of the Facebook pages about some of the new scanners I guess Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. but this seems to be the one at San Francisco I don't think they've changed the scanner yet but even so they allow you to say hey you know um, this is film and even though I didn't have anything higher than uh, 800 I, I just said hey can you uh, can you check, hand check that and they said oh what is it and I said it's film and they said sure no problem so Oh, that's great. Uh, uh, coming back through Heathrow, I didn't um, hand check it because the, the queue was just, it was just crazy. Heathrow flying out. Uh, so hopefully it sh my pictures are going to be okay. Uh, there was nothing there under uh, over 800 anyway. So um, mm -hmm. I, I don't think there'll be a problem. Um, I took some of my crazy uh, ectochrome that I got uh, recently at a camera fair. Yeah, that duplicating ectochrome. Oh yeah, I I love yeah. that film. I absolutely yeah, you, love that film. You've been getting good results out of that. I, I uh, John Gregory gave me a kind of a bulk row of it, uh, like a partial bulk row, and uh, I shot it at quite a few different ISOs, and I couldn't get anything other than like a really grainy, kind of uh, fogged mess, really. Uh, so oh, mine wow. might might have been stored uh, not not so well, or who knows? I think it was I think it was from the early late nineties, early two thousands, but I didn't have much luck with it at all. But, uh, but yours seems like it's coming out uh, kind of, you know, fantastic. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm really pleased with how the, the, the results I got from it. Uh, I think the guy said it had been frozen since he bought it. Um, mm. 
uh, the, 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 I bought it at a, a camera fair. They have a, a camera, I guess, a camera meet every month in a, in Haywood, uh, near quite close to me, um, where a bunch of people come and sell film related stuff. Um, mm-hmm. The guy, the guys from Glasskey have a table there. They're like a, a film um, and a chemistry a cam- and camera shop in San Francisco downtown, which is a pretty cool uh, little cam- boutique camera shop. Um, so they have a table there uh, as well, buying and uh, cameras too. And mm. there's a repair guy there as well. So uh, you can take stuff and they'll repair it as well. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's every month they have it. So I'm, I've been to the last sort of few months. I make a you know point of going there every every month. Uh, so yeah, I got, I kind of got uh, that that particular time I got that Ektachrome film, and I think I got an Olympus XA two at the same time from the the table next to him. So mm. um, I, I made out pretty good at that one. Wow, yeah, it's got that sounds like a, a kind of a treasure trove. So yeah, yeah. Uh, did I hear a Did I hear a kitty cat in the background at your house? Uh, that... Quite possibly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I le- I left her alone for a week with the cats that are coming every day, so she's been right. very, uh, very clingy, needy. and she's yeah. very vo- she's a very vocal cat. So I'm like, oh. <laughs> so you uh, may get you may get um uh, the kitten um, occasionally, oh, but that's awesome. the show. So we got a bonus this bonus uh, <laughs> bonus this guest this week. Uh, of, well, they, uh, of they Grace. The gutter man cave cat is out here snoozing behind me. So, uh, uh, she's been, uh, she's not very loud though. My indoor cat uh, tends to be more loud, but, uh, uh, I'm, I'm a huge cat guy. And uh, Andre sent me some photos, uh, uh, through messenger this week that he, he was, uh, I think he might be, might be turning him into a cat guy soon. Uh, I don't well, know. So, so here's the thing, uh, <laughs> the reason why it ended up not, not making its way into, into my week was because I, I didn't take any, any film pictures per se. <laughs> it snapped some, some phone pictures and, and sent them over to Mike. But my girlfriend and I went to a cat cafe here in, in LA and I actually had a lot of fun. You know, I, I may, I may be turning into not, I will probably never like cats better than dogs. I will like <laughs> but my appreciation for them is growing. And the reason why I didn't bring a film camera was that I didn't really have anything that was particularly quiet that had a close minimum focusing distance. Right, uh, right. So, and also didn't want to really be in that in that position of you know, well, stop taking pictures and enjoy this type thing, which hasn't happened yet, and I'm really not looking forward to the first time like that I get you know uh admonished chastised <laughs> exactly for that so trying to delay it as much as possible <laughs> uh yeah well I, I like them i like cats because uh they're they're a little less uh a little less a little lower maintenance than a dog so uh uh, that's one of my one of my my big uh, appreciations for him. But enough of enough of uh, the cat podcast. But uh, but uh, uh, one thing I you were, you were talking about, Lori, talking going through the uh, airports. Uh, I always wonder, you know, when people see these signs, and I'm sure everybody sees them uh, about the film and X-rays and all that stuff. I wonder how many people are like film. They still make film. Why is that sign there? Why why haven't they taken that sign down? Yeah, yet? yeah. No, because you know, uh, have you not gotten into the the conversations with people like? waiting in the line uh to to like you know get to the the security checkpoint where you're there with your big ziploc bag full of film and the person kind of looks over and it's just like i didn't even know they make film anymore (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, it just it makes me wonder because you know a lot, a lot of people think that it's not made anymore, and it, it's got to be a weird sign for the average person to see. Not all us. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I mean, I get asked all the time: Do they still make film? And you know, do, can you? Do they still make that? You know, it's it's, it's strange. You know? it's, it's funny. It's almost like it's incredible how people seem to think it's just dropped off the face of the earth. And sure, yeah, really. It's. I mean, it's a lot less, I guess, than it used to be, but it's still. It's always. It's always there. Been there, just in a, a smaller scale. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even my like my local Walmart has still has film. I mean, you, you yeah. kind of have to look for it, but it's still like it's not like it's not it's just disappeared entirely from the shelves. So, yeah, it's very strange. But mm. uh, how many people think that's just not there anymore? But uh, all right, uh, Lori, anything else? Yeah. Um. So I turned up at my parents' house, and um, I had some cameras waiting for me. Um, I had a a Practica camera, which I, I didn't bring back with me, but I've left at my parents' house. I'm going to bring back next time I travel there next year, mm-hmm. which has got a very interesting um, loading mechanism uh, where it kind of has these two little wires on the, uh, on the, on the take-up spool. And when you advance the, the frame, these wires kind of grab the film and really kind of like load, help load it into the camera. Um, huh. It's really, really ingenious um, how, it, how it does it, watching it do it. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's literally almost, you know, it, it, there's no, it's not, no fiddling around putting the, the film into that little slit that's in the, the, the take-up spool. It, it just, you just kind of put it behind one of the wires, and then the wires themselves kind of help, you know, curl the film onto the, onto the take-up spool. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, it's funny as many times as, as people have had trouble throughout the ages of like, you know, even, even, even happens to us occasionally uh, to us, us experts, how sometimes you don't get the film loaded properly and you mm-hmm. get to shot 36 and it just keeps on going. You're like, Oh shit. And, uh, and yeah. then, uh, but it's, it's funny that all those years that they never really, uh, during that, during that era, there wasn't a whole lot of solutions really to kind of make sure that didn't happen until like maybe the nineties when it, the cameras just, you know, automatically loaded it for you, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. It, yeah. yeah. It seemed like they they never really came up with too many ingenious solutions for that. Uh, I know we talked about it with Stanley Phillips. Uh, Pentax had the magic fingers, and I think that that works pretty well. It works a little better than the standard standard system, but it's still not foolproof. But that that system you're talking about sounds uh, like something like maybe maybe a lot of people should have copied that. I mean, maybe they yeah, had a trademark on it or something. Maybe <laughs> they did, yeah. Um, but that's kind of a cool camera. It's a M42 mount that has contacts in that you can do like auto aperture. So it's, mm. it's um. Uh, there was a 51.8 lens, which is actually the lens I was most looking for to shoot, but that's got a sticky, um, the aperture's not working on that. So I think it mm. just needs uh, cleaning and um, re-greasing or something to do to do with that. Um, I don't have the tools with me to, to, to open it up and take a look, or, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll bring that back next time I travel and uh, have a look at that when I get, get it back to California. Um, I guess the same lot had another Practica point-and-shoot camera, which I I put some batteries in and uh, tried it when I was there. And, uh, yeah, it seems to be working. I took a couple of pictures on the way back through Heathrow with that. So we'll see. Um, Hmm. How, so pra- Practica can. made a made a point and shoot. I don't think I've ever seen uh, something like that. Yeah, it's like a th- uh, thirty-five to eighty zoom. I, it's it's I forget the name of it now, but yeah, it's it's a plastic, fantastic uh, huh. point and shoot um, camera. Interesting. And um, I got uh, uh, actually, but just before I went out there, I won an auction on a, a half frame camera, a medium format half frame camera, and. Um, I, I kind of found out on eBay and I looked at the, the auction and the funny thing was it was in Bournemouth and I thought, oh, that's a small world. You know, that's uh, pretty cool. If I can win this, it's going to be 
pretty easy to pick up. I'll get my dad to pick it up. So I, I won the auction um, on, on that camera. And I messaged the seller and I said, hey, can my dad come around and pick it up? Um, what's the address? And he gave me the address. And it's literally about a block away, probably about mm, a stone's throw, maybe half a block away from where I used uh, our old house in Bournemouth. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Yeah, small world. This uh, young Italian guy sells mostly film posters and memorabilia as opposed to actual camera stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, occasionally, I guess he gets cameras in. So I bought this, um, uh, I think it's called a Bellini or Bencini Corral 24S, which is a half frame medium format camera. Oh, wow. Well, that's so, cool. So that will be my uh, my half frame camera, I think, going forward, because, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a, technically still a half frame. It is a half frame camera and it's, it's um, like a half frame on, uh, on steroids, I guess, because it's taken the medium format. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, that half frame will be probably almost as big as a regular 35 millimeter frame. Yeah. I think yeah. it's actually probably twice the size. The only thing with this camera is it's a very much like uh, my Diana. It's only got one shutter speed. Um, oh, okay. 50th of a second and only one, uh, two apertures F nine and F 11, I think. Well, that's cool. You I may mean, have still enough versatility to get out there in uh, daylight and, and, and shoot, but no problem. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's from the fifties. It's, uh, aluminum it's made of. So, um, it's, uh, I believe you guys call it aluminum, aluminum. Yeah. over here. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. For, for all the English uh, listeners, see, I'll, I'll try and do the English proud here tonight. I see the tw the twenty years in in the United States has not not changed your mind on aluminum yet, right? So, uh. Uh, so, um, so yeah, it's a very pretty looking camera. I'll probably do a face cast or post some pictures of it at some point when I, I get myself sorted here. Um, but, but the real camera that I was really looking forward to getting off in was. Uh, a land camera so um oh nice a, a polaroid uh, 355 land camera um mm. and i got there and it, it wasn't um could, uh, the, it looked like the batteries had leaked from the previous they didn't take the batteries out so mm. i was like oh, oh no here we go so i cleaned it up a little bit and i i ordered of course i i ordered the wrong battery when i was in california and you cannot for the life of any, uh you you get uh, batteries in the uk for the, any land camera um it's a lot easier to get them over here mm -hmm. so i i ordered a battery while i was in england from amazon got it delivered to my house uh over here in california and i tried it this morning i needed to um uh sh cut the uh the battery connector off of the negative side and just use the wire because mm -hmm. it looks like looks like the corrosion broke the uh, did something with the the connector itself mm. So, but once I did that and I kind of, I kind of hot wired the battery in, uh, on the, on the negative terminal. Yeah. Shutter's firing. Great. So nice. Um, yeah. It's, it's ready to go. Um, and I, while I was on vacation or, or holiday, a vacation, uh, I, uh, I actually got an email from the Kickstarter for, um, the SuperSense, the dot, dot caps is a pack film Kickstarter, which I, I, uh, I backed confirming my shipping address. So, oh, awesome. I should be getting the, the pack film, although I'm going to be very uh, sparing on, on <laughs> sure. that because uh, I think I've only got like maybe 15 shots I've ordered. I think I got three boxes on the Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. I want to say it's maybe oh, maybe it's six, six, um, six uh, shots per, per box there that they were charging. They were they were giving a, giving people. So I, mm -hmm. I got the three. I got the three pack, three, six boxes, three, six pack of um of that film so 
Um, oh, yeah, at awesome. least I have a way to shoot shoot it in the line camera. Otherwise, I'll have to figure out a way to you know to maybe adapt it and use some uh, Instax in there or do something with it. But it, mm-hmm. it seems just, I'm going to have to do it non-destructively because the camera is such a beautiful camera um, yeah, that I really I, don't want to do anything I'll to love, it. I love those cameras. I have two. I have a 450 and a 230, I believe it is. Uh, on both of mine, I actually uh, converted them to use triple A's. It's pretty easy to do. And, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, and so you don't have to worry about those bad, those weird batteries anymore. Um, uh, I actually did some videos on Instagram that I posted on Instagram. Um, gosh, really, and they're in the negative positives account, Instagram account, real early. Probably one of the first couple of posts that I put on that account was uh, some short videos where I had converted both my LAN cameras to uh, to take AAAs. So you might might check that out. It's a really easy oh, yeah, process. Yeah, sure. yeah. And uh, it's uh, it makes it a whole lot easier for the, uh, you know, just using regular old AAA batteries. So, uh, but yeah, uh, I love those cameras. I, I have, uh, I'm going to sell a whole lot of my Fuji FP100C because I got about 20 boxes in my refrigerator and I just don't shoot it enough and it's kind of expensive and I kind of need the money right now because we're trying to save for buying a new vehicle. And um, so I'm going to sell a lot of it, but I'm going to keep about five packs myself and kind of run like my last five packs of the Fuji uh, pill apart film uh, through, uh, through those land cameras. And then kind of uh, just keep my eye on this, uh, you know, on the, uh, 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 what is it? The super sense guys. Uh, yeah, with yeah. Their, yeah. Kind of see how that's going and, and because uh, I'll never sk- sell the cameras. You can't really sell them for much anyway, and they're just beautiful. The, those land mm-hmm. cameras are just beautiful cameras. So, yeah, uh, if nothing else, uh, they make a, a heck of a shelf queen. But I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd, prefer, I'd prefer to use them, but uh, I'm just going to kind of keep an eye on it and shoot my last five packs of Fuji and uh, pill apart and then sell the rest of it and, and just yeah. see where it goes. Yeah, I think, I, think cool. there's still, I think there's still a future for it, you know, so we'll just keep an eye out and see how that goes, yeah. I'll have to keep an eye out for when you post up for sale because I'll probably – probably take a couple of those off you uh, okay off okay yeah sure yeah yeah, yeah you got you got a good camera to shoot it with i think it's uh the all the 50 uh models like i have the 450 you said you got the 350 is that right 355 yeah okay i know that all the 50 models have a glass lens uh my 230 has a plastic lens i don't know if yours is glass or plastic yeah but, i think uh, this is the plastic and, the, and okay. it had a it's a slightly different range finder on it that's why the fifth with the 55 Oh, okay. Yeah, because my 450 actually has like a Zeiss rangefinder on it, which is yeah. Really no, cool. this yeah. this just doesn't. This has the the Kodak rangefinder. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Mike, well, any, what's of, that? Uh, quick little question: What kind of things do you think that you'd use those those last five boxes for? That's something I really want to think about because I think actually, I, I, if I do it. I want to make it a project and maybe a zine out of it, sort of like my last five, you know, pill apart film journey, sort of, you know, I think it would be uh, a good a project to do, you know, and so I want to kind of wrap my head around how to approach. I probably wait till like next summer when, when I have good light and everything uh, or spring or whatever, and then maybe think, uh, get something going. But I need to start thinking about what I want to do with it because that's, you know, that, that'll be uh, what that'll be 50 shots, basically. So uh what you know i think you can make a really cool project out of that and 50 shots gives you enough where you can eliminate some of the ones that just are pieces of shit you know <laughs> but uh but if you could get like 30 or so good ones make some sort of zine or, or project out of that i think would be a really really cool thing that's, that's what i want to do with it kind of oh. like my my last journey with pill apart sort of yeah and oh. uh yeah but uh okay anything else yeah. for you yeah other than that no i was just out with the olympus xa i took some pictures of um some very old churches a couple of uh, there's a church near where my parents lived that was built in the uh, the 10th century uh, called the priory mm. uh 
And then my sister took us up to a, a town called Sherborne, which I'd actually never been to before. And they have a, a place called Sherborne Abbey, which again was a, a, a church that was built in the 10th, 11th century. So there were, I got hopefully got some good pictures of that um, uh, to, to be able to, to share hopefully soon when I get it developed. Um, so yeah, I, I got some some nice weather those that, those couple of days. So I was able to get some shots of the coast and the the, the sea and the the, the harbour and uh, and the and the priory. So we'll, we'll uh-huh. see what comes back. But yeah, I, I came back here. Um, I got back last night, uh, and uh, I ended up today. Uh, kind of uh, uh, while I had today off, I, I went into San Francisco and got myself a three D printer. So I'm my uh, plan to Look start building. Nice. Uh, so my plan to start building a, a camera in the new year is uh, is on track. Um, I, I'd ordered a printer actually, um, but that that I guess twelve thousand other people also ordered the same printer. Um, <laughs> Was that and, like a Black uh, Friday deal or something? Or? No, no, they just launched it. The company's oh. called Pr- Prusa, and they're kind of like the 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 really well known in the three D printing community. They make like mm-hmm. the the kind of the best printers um okay. and they just they just announced their a, a kind of a, a cut down a, 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 a small size version of their flagship printer for like half the price um oh, wow. al- almost like pre-assembled um so you know everyone kind of jumped on that uh like like crazy uh, i i missed the beginning sale so i probably got in about a week and a half after the first initial announcement um and i was already like i think 12,000 orders in on that and the, the the funny thing with them is is they have the printers they actually print the parts for the new printers they sell so it takes them a little while to um to turn the stuff around and that, i don't even think they've started shipping yet so i think i was expecting to get mine like march or maybe march or april so i thought you know what i'm just going to cancel the order and i found someone on facebook that was selling the the, the big brother printer for oh, wow. already assembled by because normally it comes as a kit and you have to build it yourself and i didn't really fancy doing that so mm. this was a, a printer that had been assembled actually by the people at prusa and shipped and i got it with some filament for um for a good deal on that so i, I was actually picking that up today and i got it all set up this afternoon um and i shall be experimenting getting it all tuned in and then starting to work on making my making a 3d printed camera uh in the new year Oh, that's very cool. It's going to be really exciting to see in the, in the next couple of years as, as more and more people incorporate, you know, 3D printers into their homes and stuff. What kind of, kind of you know, film or, or just um, photography projects that people are, are printing out of these things? I think you're just going to start seeing it more and more and more uh, as mm-hmm. these things start, you know, getting more prolific out in the in the consumer world anyway. So, oh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's incredible. Just, yeah, just that I've already made so many different things for, for camera-related things, and it's so nice to be able to just now be able to just, like, design it, prototype it, iterate, and then, you know, in, in real time almost because without having to send stuff away to be printed. So mm. yeah, I've got plenty of things I'm already working on um, to be able to, to you know, to, uh, to 3D print and, and, and use. Uh, so, I saw something the other day. I don't remember if someone tagged me in it or, or something like that, but it was a, a Thingiverse file of a kind of like a bracket that you could use to attach a watch strap to the little Voigtlander VC2 light meter so that, you know, it's already got, you know, the actual manual dials on it for the aperture and the shutter speed. Uh, But if you're ever, you know, 
using a, a camera and you don't like the the, the unsightly uh, <laughs> image of the of the the Voigtlander light meter, you know, just troubling the the very nice lines of your Leica rangefinder. You can you know 3D print that, strap that to your wrist, and then you know, <laughs> so, so very nerdily, so, 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 your wrist at your subject and take yeah. a light reading. So it's a light meter watch sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I can see I can see you rocking one of those, Andre. Yeah. <laughs> Lori, will you be taking? Will you be uh, doing commission projects by any chance? Um, I, I'm sure I'm going to print some stuff out. It was funny. I was uh, uh, at this Hayward Camera Fair a few weeks ago, uh, a couple of shows ago, and someone mentioned to me said, "If you can come up with like, there's, I guess there's a bit that goes on a Leica uh, where the eyepiece sits, and people always apparently lose those or they break and they lose them. And they said if you can." come up with you know sell those you could probably print money selling them to every single Leica owner because uh <laughs> they, i guess it's the piece that goes around where the viewfinder is i, I wasn't yeah, too sure you've got uh, some of the the earlier uh cameras i think anything before kind of like the m4 has like a metal ring around the the eyepiece which if you if you wear glasses you know will you know absolutely uh, shred whatever coatings are on your lenses so I, I use like a little a little plastic piece that I bought from Dag Camera in Chicago for like ten bucks or something like that. So <laughs> yeah, I I think you know margin on on a on a three D printed version of those might not be super high, but they're definitely useful if you do lose yours. Oh yeah, maybe I'll make one of those for my Zorki because um, that's similar. It's got the little bit of metal on the weather the rangefinder and the viewfinder are. Awesome. So, well, Lori, anything else? No, that was pretty much my week. Uh, yeah, I guess it was. It was. It was interesting. It was. Yeah. No, I don't go there for every week. So you kind of yeah. caught me on on a good week. So uh, <laughs> I was going to yeah, say it's, it's very, very it's, good. It's very productive. I got to say, like again, I'm 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 regretting going last in this situation. <laughs> I, there's no way I can match that. But uh, one question that does kind you of mean bring you, up you that, didn't go and take photographs of uh, thousand year old churches last week. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I didn't didn't quite get there. No. Oh, but, that's uh, a shame. <laughs> but uh, one thing. Like, what's that? Not even a fire escape? <laughs> no, not even a fire escape. I'm not even sure I, I shot a photo of a tree. I, I did do some shooting. I, I'll get to that. But I got one more little question uh, to Lori about her week that kind of made me think is, so you went with one camera during that week. Did you ever think, man, I wish I had brought just one, this camera or that camera? Or did you feel pretty like the, the XA was uh, doing everything you needed? Did you, was you comfortable with your one camera choice? I was actually. Actually, the only thing I would have said I could have taken the other, the XA4 as well, maybe to get the mm -hmm. wider angle. But no, okay. the, uh, the 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 XA did me fine. It's tiny. I can fit it in my pocket, and it was cold, so that was good. So I can literally, you know, put my hands in my pocket and have the camera in my pocket as well while I walked around. Uh, so, yeah, no, I didn't regret it at all. It was uh, it was a good choice. I'm I'm really liking that camera. I got into that camera quite late, and I guess I'd heard about the hype on mm -hmm. that camera and yeah the hype is real on that on that camera the oh that's awesome definitely real i wish i could be like that I, you know when i go to when I, when we take our our week-long trip to florida i bring like nine to ten cameras and, <laughs> and i still wish that i brought others so <laughs> i'm not i'm not built that way but uh it's it's very good that you are so um all right uh as far as my week um the only shooting i did was saturday morning uh, my son had his first basketball game, and uh, so I had talked about uh, on the episode with uh, uh, was it Betsy Carl? Yeah, uh, that was who it was, right? Yeah, 
uh, about sports photography. And uh, she was, you know, had, had a lot of good um, uh, tips about it. So I, I made my first efforts. I, I managed to get a, a space on the floor uh, right under the rim, uh, <laughs> sitting on the floor, uh, and my knees killing me, of course. And uh, took I took the digital camera. I told myself I was going to try to shoot the basketball game on digital first and see, you know, just to, to kind of get my, you know, get my feet wet a little bit and uh, see how that went before I incorporated film into this. And I can tell you this much. If she's shooting uh, sports photography on film, uh, good honor, because I uh, felt pretty miserably with digital <laughs> and I shot a lot of photos and I got, I got some okay ones, uh, but I did learn a couple of things. Uh, of course, it's my first time really trying to shoot sports since I was probably like on the yearbook staff at my high school back in my senior year. So, uh, but I'd forgotten how hard it is to sports is hard. It's like the hardest photography, man. Like you really you got to be ready. And you, you almost like my best shots were is when I kind of, I hate to say it, I kind of, you know, uh, uh, sprayed and prayed. It was, I was like, you know, I, you almost have to do that to capture like this decisive sports moment or whatever. Uh, but I got a couple of good shots of my son, you know, taking some shots, uh, one that he hit at the end of a quarter to tie the game, which was pretty exciting. Um, but the, uh, I, I'm not sure if I will shoot film on this or not, because if I do, it might be more like, for like static shots or, or like, uh, I don't know, some, maybe some, uh, emotion shots on the players or whatever. But as far as the action, man, I don't know. I could run through a lot of film and not be, uh, I'm just not that good at it yet, but we'll see. I'm, I'm going to continue to shoot it on digital for a bit and see if I can get better at it before I may, maybe, uh, kind of have the balls to take out film uh, for this kind of shooting. Cause it is, it ain't, it, it's not easy. Sports photography is not easy. And, Do they- uh, do they just zone focus that? I mean, or how does that work? Do you, I mean, obviously you uh, can't focus because it's, uh, things are happening so quickly, or do you just kind of yeah. pick, a, pick, a, pick a, a zone and then stay in that zone? Well, I probably could try that, but what I was doing was this Pentax uh, has a uh, uh, digital camera, has uh, like the continuous autofocus, uh, mm. the kind of the tracking autofocus, and it's it was pretty good uh, about like kind of like I would like, I was basically just trying to get uh, shots of my son. Uh, I mean, you know, I love uh, his teams. There's a lot of good, nice, nice kids on his team, but I don't, I don't care to have pictures of them. I'm just trying to get pictures of my son. So I would like when they would be coming down with the ball because I was under the go uh, that they, that they would be playing that they would be shooting on. So uh, when they would be coming down with the ball, I would just like focus on my son and just keep the button half down, and it would kind of follow focus him as he came closer to me, closer to me. And then when if the ball came to him, it was just like. <laughs> hoping that he would do something cool, you know, during that, that frame, uh, th- those, uh, those shots. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I got, I got some, not, you know, I got, I got a couple that I like out of my first time trying this. So, I mean, it's not, it's, it wasn't a total loss, but it made me realize that this is not going to be an easy thing. And, uh, uh, film is going to be, uh, it might be towards the end of the season before I, I get it, get uh, kind of the brave enough to try film on this. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's, it, but so, it, that, I mean, but at least it was some shooting and, uh, so I kind of got that, uh, got kind of my feel for what I'm going to have to do. I honestly think I'm going to need a little bit longer zoom. I was shooting a, <clears throat> the equivalent of a like 28 to 80 zoom lens on that digital camera. And uh, I really li- would have liked to have gotten closer on a lot of the shots, even though I was running at the goal. My son kind of plays more uh, out on the uh, perimeter. He's more the, he's the, the three-point shooter guy, you know. So uh, uh, So a lot of times, you know, I couldn't, I wasn't as in on the action as I'd like to be. So I think maybe next time I'm going to take like an 80 to 200 like zoom lens or something and, and just so maybe so I can get a little closer. But the problem is that lens is going to be a little bit slower than what I was already using. 
and I was shooting at like 3200 which that camera does quite well pretty noise noiseless at 3200 but I may have to like to really freeze the action I may have to like bump it up to like 6400 next time or maybe even higher I don't know we'll see but uh uh, especially if I use a longer zoom on it, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's just challenging. So, uh, I give, uh, I give Betsy all the, uh, <laughs> all the props for pulling off, uh, any sort of sports photography, uh, at all, especially if she's doing it with film, but yeah, I've seen some of her pictures and they're yeah, really, really fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's been doing it a long time and, mm-hmm. uh, and it shows. So, uh, cause it, it is, it is, it is tricky. And, um, uh, so, but yeah. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see how that goes as the season progresses. I think yeah, we have like 10 games, I think. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But um, the other hey, thing I, was, go, go ahead. Uh, you, you get enough practice, you'll be able to take the championship winning shot. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I hope uh, they won the game. So the first game, they won by like 10 points. So uh, my sco- my son scored like five points, I think. Oh, so nice. yeah, yeah, very, very happy. So, uh, but, uh, he, he just, he just loves it, man. Like he, a kid runs around the court with a smile on his face. Most of the time he's just so super enjoys it. So it's just kind of fun to, you know, capture something he's really passionate about, you mm-hmm. know? So even though I'm not that passionate about shooting digital, I'm, I'm perfectly happy <laughs> with it in this situation. I mean, there is things that digital excels at, and this is one of them. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, so, and then the other thing was, uh, let's see here. I ordered, uh, I did make an order with the FPP, uh, for a pretty large batch of Kodak film. I wanted to get, um, some fresh stocks of some of my favorite Kodak films before the price increase that's going to happen in 2020. So I did kind of place a, a little bit larger order than I needed. I definitely did not need any film, but actually most of my like favorite Kodak stocks, I'm down to the point where most of the stuff I have has expired for a year or two and it's been in my freezer. So I'm sure it's fine, but I wanted to kind of get some fresh stuff for like, if I really want to take some important stuff or whatever. So I knew, I know knew I had some absolute fresh stock or whatever. So I thought, well, let's go ahead and jump in and, and buy that before, um, you know, before the price goes up because it looks like it's going to go up quite a bit. Uh, so, um, yeah, I just kind of made that order. And then uh, let's see what else. Uh, almost got my printing project uh, done. I'm through all my photos. The only thing I have left to print is photos from uh, my wife's phone, which I'm absolutely dreading because she's got a million photos <laughs> on her phone. So, so I don't know exactly how long that's going to take. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, we'll see. But uh, kind of getting through that project and uh, getting getting super excited to start seeing the light at the end of the tunnel there. But um, uh, and I think I think that's pretty much my week. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I did develop, uh, the photos of my wife, uh, that I took the portrait session from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and it was the first time shooting Fuji pro 400 H. And so I developed two rows that night. Uh, one was a Kodak max 400 row and then the, the Fuji, um, pro 400 H or whatever. And the, it came out a little magenta and I'm not sure the film wasn't expired. Well, it, it was just now expiring. Uh, and I thought, I, I scanned that roll first. I thought, well, maybe maybe my chemicals are going bad, my C41 chemicals. and uh, But then I developed the Max 400 roll right after it, and they came out perfect. The colors are perfect on it. So it's not my chemicals, mm-hmm. but this film didn't have a, a very magenta cast. I don't know. This is the first time I've ever shot Pro 400H, so I don't know if that is uh, something that's common with that film, if maybe... Or maybe I, you know, I don't, I'm not sure. I did have to do... I was able to kind of color correct in Photoshop and get it looking... A little more like you know a little more natural uh but i am horrible at color correcting so i'm sure somebody else could do a better job at it so 
I had to do what I dread more than anything, and that's color correction. <laughs> and uh, I did get it looking a lot better, but there was definitely a, a def- magenta cast to like the entire row, and I'm not sure why. But uh, oh, I don't know wow. if it's, yeah, I don't know if something I did wrong or uh, it was the first row I developed, and I'm pretty sure my. I mean, I, I I tested the temperature on all my chemicals. Everything was good. I don't. I, I just. I'm not sure. You know, the thing about film photography is. Uh, it could be any number of things that yeah, causes yeah. something, you know, so uh, I'm not really sure where the problem really lay, uh, lies on that, but uh, I'm sh- pretty sure that's not what this film is supposed to look like. <laughs> so, uh, no, I, I've shot yeah. it in uh, medium in 120. Uh, that's 120, what this was, uh, yeah. Oh, okay, and I haven't had that problem, I don't think, when I, mind you, I, I, I had it developed by a lab, so. Oh, okay, um, okay. I, so yeah, yeah. I I think I've only got that film in maybe one more, two more reels in 120 in my little Pepsi fridge. So yeah, yeah. Well, I have a another row or two of it myself uh, of the same expiration date. So you know, I'm not ready to write it off yet. It, it had just expired like this month, so it was like due for expiration. So I know it wasn't not, not being fresh necessarily, but uh, but. I got another row or two to experiment. I'm not writing the film off for for anything. I could have. I'm definitely going to blame myself before I blame the film. But uh, I'm just not quite sure what went wrong. So I'm going to I'm going to keep you know try it again and uh, maybe even pick up a fresh row one of these days because I really want to see how it actually compares to Portra because it's kind of their competition to Portra. So mm. I want to see you know what what the real difference is between the two. Uh, and I don't think I got a real good uh, feeling from that, just from the kind of magenta cast I had on on this row, which could have been easily my fault. Not blaming Fuji at all. I, I don't. I don't. I just don't know what happened. So, uh, but we'll see. Uh, I'm not. I haven't not writing it off yet. So was, was that uh, in the the Pentax six seven? Is that yes? It was in the six seven. Okay. Yeah. And that. Oh gosh, I love that lens. <laughs> that one hundred five two point four. Just. Uh, I got to, after color correcting. I got some shots I really like, and uh, uh, one of my favorite shots I've shot of my wife. Uh, I took uh, a that came out that, you know, after a little color correction, I was like, man, I just really like the way this looked and the way the lens rendered everything. Just, uh, uh, man, just love it. So, um, every time I shoot that Pentax six, seven, I was like, why am I not shooting this thing way more? Because it just, yeah. always, it always delivers. So that's yeah. like my, that's like my Mamiya six, four, five. Um, mm-hmm. I've not, I've never had a bad picture come off that camera. <laughs> mm-hmm. Such an amazing camera, but I, I really should use it more, but it's, it's, it's really heavy to lug around and yeah, sure it is. Yeah. That's and it's obviously the six, seven is as well. But, and the thing that kills me about the six, seven is it has a really like rudimentary, like metering system. I mean, it looks like a K 1000 sort of needle sort of thing, and it doesn't really breed a lot of confidence that this meter is going to be all that, you know, accurate or whatever. Cause it's, you know, it's pretty old technology, at least in the, in the metering of it, but it, it, it always nails, uh, exposure. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's just, uh, I just love it. So, um, but it, it, it just always, always, and plus that, that again, that shutter sound, uh, makes me smile every time. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but okay. Well, I think that's pretty much our weeks and, uh, we already have a pretty long first segment here and we have a lot of questions to get to, to, uh, Lori. So let's, um, uh, go ahead and take a break and we'll come back with questions from the negative positives film photography podcast, Facebook group to our guest, Lori Brooks, uh, in the next segment. So we'll take a break and be right back folks.
All right, folks, we're back from the break, and this is the second segment where we have members of the Facebook group uh, who have asked questions of our guest, uh, the Negative Positive Film Photography Podcast Facebook group, uh, with questions for uh, Lori Brooks. So let's uh, listen to, uh, let's find out what they have to say. Andre, what's first up on there? All right, so we're going to start at the, uh, you know, one could say the <laughs> the the beginning uh, but here we have a question from a uh, question that was asked by both Jeremy Zorns as well as Matt Jones, who asked, "How did you end up in the USA?" On an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> uh, no, actually, I, I came here for a holiday uh, in the mid '90s, and I really enjoyed California. I thought it was really good fun, so I um, put my resume on a. Uh, a I guess on the internet before it was there really was an internet a couple of jo early job boards and I didn't really get many takers and I thought oh you know maybe it's not meant to be and then uh, I almost given up and then I out of the blue I got a call from a, a company uh, who were just spinning out of uh, AT&T on the east coast and they were um, they were looking to expand in Europe and they said look I know you know you want to come out and work in California but we really need people to help in Europe because I Obviously, as a European citizen, I can travel to any country in Europe easily, um, which may not be the case <laughs> soon, but um, <laughs> uh, that might be going away. But uh, yeah, so they, they said, OK, how about you help us establish Europe and then, um, you know, uh, we'll transfer you over. And they kind of kept true to their word. And I worked for them for 18 months or so. And because if I worked for them for 18 months, that's the requirement for a different type of visa was met. So I, I came over on something called an L visa, which is like an intercompany transfer, which apparently are easier to do. So uh, they transferred me over to, uh, to California, and I've been here about 20 years. Um, the bonus to that was because it was a startup, I actually got some cool stock there on that. So I did, I did well out of that. And the company's awesome. still going. The company's still going. They're, they're doing really good um, still. Uh, and I've been in the, the tech industry uh, since since then. So I've pretty much always been in, in the tech industry, but it's in England and also over here uh, in, in, uh, in California. So now so, we see where some of that courageous uh, bravery comes from, just trying out all sorts of crazy chemicals and stuff. You got a little, little, little techie in you, so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, my job <laughs> is testing things, and um, so, you know, it, it, this, it doesn't matter if I break, things uh that's the whole point is they have to break things uh to make sure you know make sure they break and we can fix it before the customer hits the problem so um i guess i have that kind of like no not i don't have a fear of of, of breaking things because uh, you know uh, that's kind of my job that sounds like a great job <laughs> breaking things sounds fun <laughs> it is fun yeah it's more breaking software and making sure that you know software was working fine mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, uh uh, you know, before customer hits the problem, um, and sometimes these failures can be catastrophic. Uh, so, you know, uh, if it's on a test system, that's fine. It's no big deal. You, this is the kind of stuff you don't want to happen on a, a customer who spent here several million dollars on your product. And uh, oh, yeah, and Ford goes. certainly Ford certainly does not want me to break things when I'm at work. So, uh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> although, although sometimes I try, <laughs> just get a little time off. <laughs> but but yeah. Um, so, uh, what since you've been to America, what uh, are have you are you like trying to be a citizen? Are you a citizen? Or, I, I'm, or, I'm a citizen now. Yes. Okay. I have, yeah. Uh, I have dual citizenship, so yeah, I, awesome. I, I can show my 
UK passport when I went back to England. I showed my UK passport. And when I came back in here, I used my US passport. So, yeah. Andre's going through that himself right now, right, Andre? Yes, sir. I am currently waiting for the date for my, uh, you know, naturalization application uh, interview to be set sometime uh, probably in the new year. Yeah, I, I actually got quite emotional when I had my the, the big ceremony. I didn't think I would, but no, I was like tearing up when I was. Everyone was like swearing allegiance um, at the end of the ceremony. You have a you know with like four or five hundred people in the same auditorium doing it at the same time. Mm, it was quite, mm-hmm. quite quite an emotional experience, and I didn't think it would be, but it was. What's the biggest difference between America and Europe? Just just one little simple thing, because I've never been to Europe, so all my all my thoughts on Europe are, are just simple stereotypes I've heard through uh, the years. So. Aluminium, no. Um, <laughs> the weather, probably I don't know. For me, the weather, um, because England can get quite uh, wet and cold in the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's 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 much more wider open here, I think, and this yeah. So a lot, lot more to see and do in Cal- in California. It's it's kind of close at hand, uh, but you know, um, I guess um, no. It's 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 England. I think it's becoming very Americanized um, over the last sort of ten, fifteen years. Anyway, I think so. Mm, mm. Most of their television is from uh, from the states. So. I always think it's strange when I make references to like uh, American uh, pop culture. I always feel like I'm alienating like uh, people that listen uh, that aren't in the United States. But then it turns out a lot of them actually know what I'm talking about, and it, that always kind of surprises me. I, I don't. Oh I yeah, yeah. Didn't realize yeah, it was that prevalent. Yeah. Yeah, the big shows always make it over to England. So yeah. Wow. Very interesting. All right, Andre, what we got next? All right. Next up, we get a question from Carrie Carmichael, who says, from your posts, I get the sense that you are a fellow techie. If so, do you use analog photography as a way to take a break from all the technology you deal with in your work life? If not, what are some other reasons you enjoy analog photography? Um, no, not really. Uh, I, it's still quite, I get quite technical. And then I'm also trying to do things from a technical standpoint with 3d printing and um and because i don't i i use lightroom quite extensively and and scanning so i do feel there's a, a very high tech a, a, um, aspect to my photography as opposed to full-on analog um photography even the printing i guess you know is is, is for the digital printer here mm-hmm. um and what 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 do i what was the second part of the question again Second part was, uh, what are some other reasons that you enjoy analog photography? Um, it, it's it's just fun. I just like the whole process. It's it, it's kind of you never know what you're going to get when you pull those negatives out. So it's it, it, in a way, it's not predictable. Um, and that may be what I like about it because you know digital. It, it's 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 the same every time. You can just repeat, 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 and it's 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 uh. It, it's much harder to to get you know different results whereas analog there's always that little bit of uncertainty in, in in what might you know either when you were taking the picture or when you were developing it um there's always that little margin that can mm-hmm. you know produce amazing results or can go the other way and just completely cause things to fail really badly so i like the uh the randomness of it i suppose I think that's that's part of. I think you kind of touched on a nerve there a little bit uh, because, like with 
with digital, like I know a lot of people that are pro digital, which I'm not anti digital, but uh, would say, well, you know, you can you can kind of get that randomness in the way you process, uh, in, you know, through Photoshop or Lightroom or whatever. You can you can you can you know emulate a lot of these film weirdness that you get or whatever. But there's something so satisfying when something just happens on accident that you didn't like do in software. It just happened naturally on film. I think I always get a huge thrill out of that, and I don't get that. I always feel like a little bit like, and I know I shouldn't feel this way, but I feel like I'm cheating a little bit if I try to make uh, a digital file look like uh, like there was an accident or or like this mm. weird weird filmness or whatever <laughs> whatever yeah. I, I yeah. feel like it's I'm cheating in a way I don't I don't know why I feel that way but it's just just the way I, I do but I think yeah. there's something there's something to the the this whole the organic thing because I mean some of the best you know some of the iconic moments even in music is like you know that's definitely something where it's organic and it happens you know randomly um mm-hmm. even the, the, the beatles song i think is at hard day's night or something where they they struck the chord wrong and that's now they have that iconic uh opening to the song and it was purely by accident and, and the feedback on some of their songs so yeah you, you're never going to get that you know digitally um and it won't be as spontaneous i think so you lose a lot of that i think with digital but i know, think that's it i think yeah i think that's that's i think it really yeah i think you kind of nailed it there yeah uh andre any thoughts or are you moving on I think we were good to to move on to another question. Uh, next one comes from Mr. Stanley Phillips, who asks, "What's more important to you, which camera to use or which film stock to use?" Mm. Oh, that's a hard one. Uh, probably <laughs> I start I start with the camera, maybe, um, and and go from there. I I I I, I mean I I I only shoot thirty five and and one twenty, so. I had less of a leeway there um, with, with film. Obviously this, you know, I can use other cameras with, with using that film. So I'm not like, Oh, I want to do like different paper sizes and stuff like that or, or, or anything like that large format. But no, I tend to just figure out, okay, which camera am I going to take out and kind of take things from there um, most of the time. Or sometimes if I've got a new film stock, it's like, Oh yeah, I want to try and shoot that. Um, so that kind of drives what kind of camera I'm going to be using. So, uh, it's, one, it's a bit of a bit of both i think one thing so do you do you find you shoot more color or black and white or do you have a preference or is it where are you at with that because i, I have kind of a follow-up to that question but i think i prefer color um mm-hmm. I, I love the sharpness black and white gives me but i i just prefer capturing in color because that's i guess how we see the world um mm-hmm. this is my thoughts on that it's, it's we see the world in color so i'd like to to capture color um, I, I definitely think the art, black and white is a, can be a lot more artistic as well, and, and it has a, its own place and look. Um, and definitely, it's very sharp. And I've, I've had, I've got some great black and white pictures, um, uh, as, as well as as, as some as, as color. So, but I, I tend to gravitate more towards color than uh, than black and white. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably, I, I mean, this last trip to England, I probably shot. All, all color apart from maybe one roll of HP five, I think is still on the camera. Mm. Yeah. I was going to ask because I know there's, I've heard a lot, some people mention that uh, one, I think it was, maybe it might've been on like classic lenses podcast. They talked about how uh, like Carl Havens, he would shoot nothing but color because he figured that if he wanted it black and white, he could just, you know, change the black and white in, in software. And yeah, so yeah. Uh, much like the way you would shoot a digital camera or whatever. And I've always been hesitant to do that. I've done it on a couple of shots where 
the color came out wonky for whatever mm. reason, maybe expired film or whatever. And I'm like, well, let's just convert this to black and white. And because I, I, I'm horrible at color correction anyway, and, and so I, I can at least get uh, something decent out of it just back and, you know, uh, converting it to black and white or whatever. Uh, and I've known, like, I think this was a shot on Portra, as, and Portra actually. Uh, does go to black and white very well and um uh and I, I can see where there's a that's uh, not a bad uh i guess uh, process to have uh but i just can't do it because again i'm going right back to what i was just talking about i feel like i'm cheating <laughs> you know like i feel like uh if i convert the, i know i shouldn't feel this way but i'm, I'm a little bit too traditionalist a little bit it's like uh, if i want a black and white shot i don't want to shoot it on tri-x or t-max or whatever and like but and if i want color i want to shoot a portra or ektar or whatever like i just I, 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 for some reason, I feel like I'm cheating a little bit, and I know I shouldn't. Uh, no, it's, when I take it's a, nice yeah. to have that safety net. It's nice to have that safety net. I've, I've done that before, where I completely mm -hmm. the colors just come out. It's been expired film, and the colors just looked absolutely terrible. And I thought, well, what does it look like in black and white? And I kind of clicked it over to monochrome, and it just it's a hundred times better. Um, right, right. And you know, I, I can say, well, at least I didn't lose the shot. Um, I, it's not something I, I don't throw away that shot. I've, I've managed, I can still enjoy the shot and I still have the, the memory of me taking that shot and not mm. having to, you know, put it in the, the recycle bin and delete it forever. Right. Um, right. So it's nice Andre, to be able to have that safety net, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Andre, what do you, what do you feel about this, this debate, this raging debate? <laughs> uh, on what the, the camera versus the, the film, what's more important? Well, it's like is uh, like uh, converting, uh, uh, shooting color, and with a thought that you could always convert it to black and white if you wanted to. I mean, it's definitely something that I've done in the in the past. Uh, given that that recently I haven't been scanning a, a whole lot, I, I haven't really even given myself the, the option to to do it. But I think the the reason why it, it came up recently in the in the Facebook group was that. I was messing around with the Film Lab app trying to get a little, you know, preview of my film that was hanging to dry in the bathroom at the office and I was having trouble getting the the app to like recognize that yeah, I, I remember that, it, that. Yeah. that color negative. So I just switched it over to the black and white and for some reason it just, you know, recognized it and did the the conversion, you know, easily. Uh, and it and it did actually make me think, especially when it comes to this whole uh, business recently with the Kodak price increases. That you know, I I don't know if necessarily it it's something that I would do a whole lot, but I can definitely see somebody going for a more uh, affordable uh, color film stock that they like. Um, you know, doing a little bit of experimentation to see if they if they like the you know, the way that it performs as a, as a scanned black and white film stock. And if the, if the results are, are good enough and the, and the price is right, given the fact that, you know, the, the, the prices of things like Tri-X uh, and, and T-Max and stuff like that are going to be going up, uh, naturally the prices of, of, you know, your Ultra Maxes and your Color Pluses and your Kodak Golds are also going to be going up as well they're still going to be less expensive than portra and, and triax mm -hmm. if you wanted to you know keep the the cost low uh be able to develop everything in the same tank without having to worrying about developing times or send it out to 
uh, a lab for processing only and you do the scanning, it's a it's a pretty compelling argument. I don't think it's something that I'm going to be doing uh, as a way of like replacing black and white film. Uh, but I, I do usually, if, if the colors come out wonky, convert it to black and white just to see what it looks like. And there are times when, when I keep it that way, you know, when I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, well, black and white came out better. Right, right. There's no, there's no rules in photography, right? There's, that's one thing I like about playing rock and roll music. There's no rules, so that's, uh, right. that, 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 I don't know. I don't know why I can't translate that to my photography as much. I'm a little more regimented, I think. But, but yeah, yeah. It's, so. it's, it's, it's funny. One of my ideas, um, kind of on the back burner, is actually going the other way from black and white to color. I'm trying to do some kind of like autochrome process. Ah. So that's nice. kind of an idea that's in the like in the back back of my mind somewhere. That's like, oh, maybe one day I'll try and and do that and shoot. And with with a with a kind of a, a filter over the front of the camera or between the film plane and and the film, and then figure isn't out that, a way to do that. Isn't that what like, the the twenty two thirty eight and like the color separation films are like meant for? Yeah, I, I yeah. never understood exactly how that that works with some of like the super technical stuff. Like I, I always kind of feel like I understand it like one week, and then a couple of weeks later, I'm like, nope, I totally yeah. forgot how that. Works. Right, right. It, yeah, it's it's funny. There's a really famous picture that someone's taken of um of, on autochrome back in the 18 something, and it's of a girl in a red like uh jump uh, sweater she had on, and that was actually taken on the Dorset coast where I where I grew up. And yeah, mm. that that was just it's the most it's an most amazing color picture. You think, well, when was that taken? And you look at the date, and you're like, no, that's not possible. That can't be right. And yeah, it was taken in the, the 19th century. So. Wow! Just using that using that autochrome process, it's it's incredible. So mm. yeah, that's something I'd like to you know maybe try figure out a way to do. Um, just for why why not? <laughs> well, it sounds like we're gonna have to have uh, Lori back on in the future because uh, she's, she's she's always trying really cool stuff. So crazy, crazy yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. All right, Andre, what's what we got next? Uh, seeing as a, as we're on a on a film stock kick right now. Uh, here we've got a question from Bill Smith of the Classic Camera Revival, who asks, "Is uh, a follow-up question? Uh, oh, to his previous question about Olympus stuff. Uh, what drew you to shooting motion picture stock, and is there a difference in workflow uh, processing compared to C41?" Um, yeah, I think it's it's amazing film. It's it's like the cream of the crop film. I think a lot of the the stuff that has in the Vision Three film ends up making its way into portrait and mm-hmm. uh, so it really is like tier top tier film um the only thing and to answer his question yes you've got that thing called remjet to deal with uh which adds a little step for me at the beginning to, to rinse that off as a pre-bath and then it's you can develop in c41 or and you the color shifts are you know the color is is, is pretty much the same there's a slightly different color cast when you do cross process in c41 um, so I've tried both. I've done the ECN as well. And, you know, the, there is slight difference in color, but I wouldn't say I wouldn't say the C41 is uh, is terrible. It's it's perfectly usable um, to do to do both. So, yeah, if you're if you're if you're doing just with C41, just I have that Remjet pre bath to get rid of that. And then C41 is normal or ECN, I think there's an s- extra step in the chemistry, and you just have to make the chemistry yourself. That's all. Um, there's a like, mm. slightly different steps. Um, that I think there's a separate um, a separate bleach step. 
for for ECN and the temperature and the temperature is slightly different. It's a little bit hotter than um, C41, but it's it's if you can do C41 ECN, it's it's really simple. It's just the case you have to actually mix up the chemistry, um, which can be a little bit. Um, it's not too bad. Uh, I, I didn't find it very difficult at all. You just have to take, you know, the, the appropriate safety precautions. Um, and I just, I think Matt, Matt Melcher actually uh, got me into doing that. I, I listened mm -hmm. to his podcast and he yeah, went through what he did to do it. And I just pretty much duplicated that process. And uh, I, was, I was just going to mention that Matt Melcher from Box of Cameras podcast and, and Lori, you, you two should probably just start a uh, Make Your Own Chemicals podcast. And uh, yeah, just... <laughs> take over the world by storm <laughs> yeah no, it, it's it's really it's the only thing that everything you can buy for the ecn is pretty much on amazon the only thing you have to order that's extra is the cd3 which you get from um i think a place in new york that they ground mm -hmm. ship to you and you buy it it's like 500 grams uh for 25 dollars, and that's that will last you a lifetime because you're only <laughs> using like two or three grams every time Mm. so yeah and that that's the bit you have to be really careful with apparently um, i was talking to some guy um old guy in one of these camera shows and he was saying yeah they used to mix it up in a, a tank with the gloves through the glass and he said yeah if you're just doing it yourself make sure you wear like a painter's mask or something because it's yeah. very fine very fine powder and you don't want to be breathing it in so just be very careful with it and uh, you should be good but the rest of it you can just buy from amazon it's like baking soda washing soda um and stuff like that um, to mix together. I was wearing a uh, like a big respirator mask yesterday because I was <laughs> I was uh, I had this uh, yard vacuum and I was vacuuming up all my leaves and it shreds all my my leaves into a little bag collection thing and it puts leaf dust everywhere and I'm very allergic to it. My whole family is actually and usually gives me like a sinus infection every time I do this. So I was wearing this respirator through my <laughs> through my yard and it probably looked like to my neighbors I was doing some sort of I don't know uh, meth clean cleanup or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> But yeah, I'm sure I looked very strange to the neighbors. But yeah, those those you can get those masks, uh, those respirators at like any like home improvement store or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and they'll, yeah. They'll work. They'll work just fine for mixing mm -hmm. chemistry. So yeah, and and just the other thing I you need to get is a very accurate scale. Uh, so yeah, mm, makes sense. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, there was a podcast I listened to this week. Gosh, what was it? Was it? I can't remember if it was classic lenses or I'm not sure. Somebody had somebody on talking about uh, mixing up a lot of uh, chemicals and uh, and gosh, I can't now I can't remember which podcast it was, but it was very interesting. And the guy was basically telling you how you can save a ton of money making your own chemicals. And uh, uh, I'll try to think about that through the podcast. Maybe if I remember it, I'll try to get it out before this episode ends. But uh, but until then, how about we just move yeah, on I, while my I, brain I, turns. So. Yeah, I, th <laughs> I think actually the C41 making your own chemistry is a lot harder than the ECN. I think there's some um, some probably dodgier ingredients uh, health-wise with, with C41. So I think I'm kind of going to draw the line at ECN. Um, that's mm -hmm. That's... That seems to be a lot, lot easier to make, uh, and because the C41 kits are so readily available, um, there's no real need to mix that chemistry yourself. Um, so I remember what it was. It was homemade, homemade camera, uh, homemade oh, okay. camera podcast. Uh, they had uh, their guest just like I think the last this last week or so. I can't remember his name, but he was all about like uh, teaching people how to get chemicals really cheap, and actually, and he was big on like. Uh, uh, it being very eco-friendly, like uh, not not hazardous at all, and he was mm -hmm. like telling about these all these developers 
simple things you can buy at grocery stores and stuff like that, and a very few things you had to order online, but but easily easily obtainable uh, materials to make some very uh, you know uh, not very uh, environmentally or very very environmentally friendly uh, uh, developing developers. So it was a very good episode. So check out a, a homemade camera podcast for that one. So yeah, yeah, yeah. glad I remember that. So yeah, okay. I, I, um, I I would Google it now, but I have like the world's noisiest keyboard. I think uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if anyone has asked a question about my keyboard, but I, I do get a lot of uh, comments on on the Facebook group about my keyboard, my computer <laughs> keyboard. So maybe I'll tell the story about that later on at the end about the story about my keyboard because it's uh, it's okay. quite a un- it's a quite a unique uh, computer keyboard because everyone who sees them, you post some pictures there. They say, "Is that an IBM Model M?" And I'm like, "Yeah." So it's a um, so if you're in the tech if you're a techie, you kind of recognize a very iconic kind of keyboard. So I, I'll go over the story about that at the end, maybe, if no one asks me about that. Because I know there are a couple of people interested in my keyboard. <laughs> okay. Awesome. I'll even, All right, so demonst- got- I'll even give you a demonstration of like me wrapping the keys so you see what I mean about how noisy it oh. is. Oh, That's perfect. perfect. It's perfect. We may not have Mike Rosso's uh, soundboard, but we do have Lori's keyboard. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. What's next, Andre? Uh, Sherry Christensen asks, uh, was it easy to start developing E6 chemistry at home? Uh, that's uh, that's Sherry Christensen from the uh, Embrace the Grain podcast. So thank you, Mike. And she just she just recently had a fall and has had to kind of take a break from podcasting. Hopefully, she'll be back soon. Hopefully, you're doing good, uh, Sherry. Apparently, all the hippest podcasters in the world lately are having falls. Uh, it's just it's just happening lately. So, uh, but hopefully, she's uh, recovering well. So yeah, get, uh, get well soon, Sherry. Yeah. I like your, I like your podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so E six, I am. E6 is fairly simple. I've done that was too. It e, was, that, it e, was it E6 or ECN, she asked, uh, Andre? Uh, E6. E6, E6. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, I've done some E6. E6 is easy too. Uh, I got a kit to do that. Um, I, I, uh, it's very similar to C41. I think there's like one extra step. The bleach and the, the fix are separate. So it's, it's uh, develop, bleach, and then fix, if my memory serves me right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's... Uh, um, I think again, then the temperature is just a bit more is a, is a bit different. Um, I, I use one of the Sinistil, the, 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 the TCS, to um, to maintain the temperature, and it works out fine. So, sure. yeah, I think yeah. I got. I think yeah. I got a. So it's a first developer, uh, which is essentially a, a black oh, and, and a white. Oh, a second developer. Yeah, yeah. Or developer, uh, which also includes like a a chemical um, like reversal agent in that in that second bath. And then it's the Blix. So yeah. is it kind of like uh, with C41, the, the, it's really the developer, the, the first stage uh, kind of needs to be a, like a, a more, you know, like an exact temperature. And then like the Blix isn't as important, whereas E6, e the first two stages kind of need to be at that exact temperature. And then the Blix, you can kind of be a little more generous with on the temperature range. Is that kind of the same thing? The Blix is always the one that you can futz up a little bit more in yeah. terms of chemistry. Yeah. Uh, the first two are, are definitely more critical. The first developer, especially for getting like you know just the the base like density of the of the negative uh, right, developing actually the the silver, and then the the color developer is is where like you know temperature changes are gonna are gonna cause uh, color shifts there as well. Magenta, maybe a magenta cast, maybe. <laughs> yeah, some. some <laughs> Some some weird color casts if you if you've got the the temperature more than you know a handful of degrees off, 
Um, and then also that that reversal bath needs to that reversal step needs to occur at a certain temperature. Yeah, yeah. I, I know I I hadn't done much E6 until I, I picked up that code and the ectochrome, and I'm I'm doing a lot more E6 um, just purely because I I really like shooting that film. Mm-hmm. Although I mean I mean I'm just scanning it so. Uh, I guess I don't know. Uh, is there any difference? Just, is that kind of taking the whole way the whole point of shooting slide film? I might as well shoot color, I suppose. If all I'm doing is scanning it, I don't know. Um, I guess it has that look to it. I don't think. I think. I think in general, slide film is sharper, regardless. So I think it's. Uh, no, I don't think it defeats the purpose whatsoever. So yeah. I do like the fact that I can kind of like look at the pictures in full color. Yeah, yeah. That's just no, that always amazes amazes me when I pull it out of the tank and hold it up to the light. I can actually see. Yeah, yeah. personally, I don't shoot as much color as I do black and white, and I can pretty much, you know, at at this point, hold up a a black and white negative, and my brain will kind of do its its own little, you know, mental gymnastics to to flip it in my mind. But you know, can't can't do that with with color negatives. So I really appreciate, uh, even though I don't shoot that much slide film, uh, only for you know special occasions and trips and vacations and things like that. I do really appreciate when I'm flipping through, you know, my binder to be able to just, you know, pull out a print file and hold it up and, and actually see the, the color images without having to, you know, stick it on a light table and pull out the film lab app. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I, I got 400 foot of this like ectochrome. So I think I'm pretty much set for slide film for the, for the <laughs> foreseeable future. It's like you crazy. Might, you, might, you might be tired of it by the time you get through all that. Yeah. 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 I think that's going to last me years, that, 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 <laughs> that role. Um, but I, I just couldn't pass up that deal. It's like, hell uh, no. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I think Ectochrome's a quite an expensive film. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll take that for 125 bucks. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, Andre, what's up next? Uh, next up, uh, the. <laughs> The, the question to which, you know, Bill Smith previously uh, mentioned as a follow-up, who, and he asks, uh, Lori, as a fellow Olympus fan, which OM body do you prefer shooting with and why? Uh, I want to say my OM1, <laughs> the, the first one, the, the, the most basic of all of them. Uh, I, I just love the, it's just because maybe because it's, it's just, it's very simple. Um, the, the, You've got the. I guess the later models had the the automatic exposure in the OM2, and the I have an OM4 that has the spot metering, and I still haven't quite figured out how all that all works. Mm-hmm. So the OM1, I usually if I'm up in the city, I just sunny 16 it, and it's really just I, I set the shutter speed to one two five or or up or higher, um, uh, just so I can you know I don't get too much shake, and I just go with it. It's just a very simple camera, very simple. Uh, light meter some would say that you know it, it's just it's it, it it's a bad thing having not having all these features in there um but it it's it's i just like the simplicity of using it uh it's it's just that's just a, a great camera um so that would be my favorite is the uh, the om1 and of course you don't even need batteries in it you can just turn the light meter off completely and meter with your cell phone and it's completely mechanical mm-hmm. i'm going to kind of be in agreement with you there i you know, I know a lot of people talk shit about the K1000, not not because it's not a good camera, but because they think it's overpriced. And I think generally it kind of is because there's better mechanical Pentax cameras you can get with more features than the K1000 for less money, like the KX or the MX, that kind of stuff. But 
uh, I tend to I tend to enjoy shooting my K1000 more than even the KX or MX. I don't know why it's more bare bones, but the little additional features that the KX and MX offer, like the uh, the mirror lockup on the KX or the depth of field preview, I don't ever use them things anyway. Like you know, it just like uh, on I, I just it's it's weird how I don't hardly ever use the the better features of these more like upscale cameras. From the, the K1000 just gets the job done, and yeah. so I'm yeah I'm kind of I'm kind of with you on the bare bones thing. Fun- Nothing gets in the way, right? Yeah. Funny enough, the OM1 actually has the mirror lockup. None of the others have that. Um, oh yeah. And all all the uh, all of the lenses have the depth of field preview. That was kind of one of the the kind of uh, beauties of the Olympus system is the depth of field preview is built into the the lens, not the camera. So mm. yeah, it's 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 the way they did it was kind of unique way, fairly uh, fairly interesting, fairly creative the way they kind of set about designing the camera. I think a lot of people don't like it because oh wow, everything's on the lens and the the shutter the, well the shutter speed is on the camera. Uh, on the on the, on the, ba- the barrel, just right by where the lens bayonet um, connects, which is I guess different from other cameras. I I haven't really used that many, uh, like a Nikon or something like that, where the 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 shutter I guess the shutter speed is on the top or something or mm. elsewhere. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, everything is on the lens, and I guess they designed it to be operated with one hand, where one hand can do the you're looking through the the viewfinder, and then everything is done with your other hand with the shutter speed and the aperture. And even the depth of field is a little button on the side of the lens. So mm. the, yeah, the I, idea is you don't pull the camera away from your face, I suppose. That's that's yeah, that's that's it's a good uh, good design choice there. I will say this: uh, I did. There's a little hack with the K1000. If you really need depth of field preview, and granted, it's it's pain in the ass, a, a little bit of a pain in the ass. It's not that intuitive, uh, and I never I never really find a need. I, I don't do a lot of photography where I'm that critical about this exact little insect's eye or whatever needs to be in focus or whatever. But like, uh, you can like release the lens slightly, uh, like take the, press the lens release and kind of slightly unscrew the lens and it'll stop down to where your, uh, where your aperture is set at and show you your depth of field. I mean, it's not obviously as easy as a depth of field preview button, but there is a way to kind of like, even on these bare bones cameras, if you just slightly undo the lens and it, where it's still attached to the body, but just, uh, just enough to where it'll it'll close down to whatever aperture you have selected. Uh, it's kind of a, a cheat to uh, get depth of field preview on a, any camera that doesn't have that. So just a little little hot tip. But uh, <laughs> so, but um, all right, Andre, what, is, what do we got next? All right, next up we have got a question from Greg Ops who says you're one of the more actively experimental members of the Facebook. <laughs> What motivates you to try the things you try, and do you ever iterate over the same experiment over time, or uh, trying to make it better with each iteration, or do you tend to try something, then move on to the next one to keep it fresh? Um, stupidity, to answer the first part of that. <laughs> uh, uh, I think, yeah, sometimes I will, uh, I, I need to make a, my, maybe a, a New Year's resolution is to try to not, you know, to try something once and then try some, keep moving on. I, I have tried a few things where I, you know, iterate more. Um, I need to do that, be better, a bit better about that. Um, Cause I do tend to like try things once and say, ah, oh, that looks okay. And then kind of like move on. Whereas as opposed to trying to refine a process and I'm trying to be better about not doing that and, uh, and just, and being, you know, kind of experimenting more with it. I think now that I've got copious amounts of bulk film, um, I can do that a lot more without worrying about burning through film um and just try and try and you know let's try that 
you know, one time and, 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 and keep, keep, keep trying it more and more times. And, and that, the bad thing is I, I hardly ever make notes and I need to be a lot better about that. Um, I try to, because by the time I get back home, I've forgotten half the stuff, <laughs> half the stuff I did. Um, <laughs> I'm terrible like that where I, uh, what aperture did I use? What did I shoot that with? What did I, and so I, I need to be better about that. I, I do name my files when I scan what the camera is um, and what the film is. So at least I've kind of got that going for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of with you on that. I, I'm all over the place and, and it's cause I'm, there's just so much stuff I want to do and I can't, I can't like lock myself down for six months and be like, I'm going to shoot this one stock and use this one developer. And I'm really going to wring out all the best out of, out of this particular situation. I can't, I just can't be, there's too much I want to do. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm just too interested in everything that's out there. So, and I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. It's just, you know, different strokes for different folks, I guess. But yeah. yeah. And, and it's really funny because people say, oh, if you can still get film. It's like, well, you can get this an overabundance, I think, because you'll never be able, you'll never run out of combinations of things to try. Uh, sure. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Andre, any thoughts or moving on? I think let's move on. Uh, I think this is going to be the last question of this section. Uh, we're we're trying to, to to you know keep these episodes not going too long and if there's anything that that I didn't answer, Lori can always jump back in and, and answer them in the in the post that we made. Uh, but the last one is coming from Mr. Dan Tree, who asks, "How many red cameras are too many?" Um, there, you can never have too many red cameras. And why don't, why don't you go ahead and explain that that inside joke for those who aren't who are. Uh, <laughs> I have a lot of red cameras. So the camera, I, I always tend to put like like red uh, adornments on my cameras. So my Olympus OM1 has a red um, leatherette on it. Um, and some of my other cameras have, have the red um, going on. Uh, I've been looking for actually an XA2. Uh, maybe I'll get an XA2 because I know they made those in red uh, as, as well. Um, I actually just had a... Um, uh, Ethan Moses print me a homunculus camera, and nice. uh, you you uh, you kind of request the color you want, and I, I uh, in in the email message to Ethan was like red, of course. Um, so my <laughs> my, uh, my homunculus is all like tricked out with a red grip and a red uh, uh, bayonet mount, so it it was clearly it was going to be a, a, a red camera. And then I have a, like a little, I think a little uh, Minolta camera that I uh, use my Cricut to cut a red decal because the leather it was very scratched up so no that you can never have enough uh uh you, you red stuff and i actually bought some um translucent red pla uh to accessorize any cameras i 3d print and i'll probably get some more solid red petg to 3d print as well so there will definitely be more red cameras uh any ca- camera i design and print will be uh definitely have some red going on in there it's uh it's. I mean, if it's good enough for Leica to use the red dot, I figure it's good enough <laughs> for me to, to, to Leica. <laughs> the red dot just takes over your whole camera. So yeah, yeah, and it's actually my my surface here that I'm on my my little laptop here has the red type cover. So yeah, I'm all about the red, and my desk is red as well. So um, yeah, <laughs> well, I uh, I have a, a sort of a uh, I'm 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 kind of dislike red. Uh, I'm a, I'm uh, my. I'm a fan of the University of Kentucky and their color is blue and our rival, the University of Louisville, is red. So I'm I'm very I, I need some blue cameras in my life. Uh I think it was 
Uh, Alex Purcell has like a blue Hoga and I'm in love with it. I need to find me a blue Hoga. So like, <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah, uh, and I said, I'm, 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 about, I'm all about the blue. I'd, I'd love to get like some blue leatherette for one of my Pentax, uh, cameras and, and, and kind of, uh, yeah, get a little university of Kentucky action on one of my working man's cameras. So yeah, there's, but, uh, there's plenty of places actually online that will do the replacement leatherette. Um, I yeah, think I got mm-hmm. some leatherette for my little baby Ashka 44 that I got, um, that the, uh, the the leatherette was completely gone on it, so I bought some leatherette for it. Actually, that's like in a pebble kind of gray, so I didn't get the red there. Uh, I did the I kept it more like the original gray color. So mm-hmm. yeah, so uh, you you can definitely get your your Pentax uh, all kitted out with the blue there. There you go. There you go. Andre, red or blue? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go with blue. Yes. It's a little bit more subtle. <laughs> my my uh, OM2 is like a denim blue because I figured I wanted them different colors. So I have oh, the, the red OM1, the blue is um, OM2, and then the OM4 is kind of a a, a brown, mahogany kind of a brown color. Uh, so they're all kind of color coded, so I can not grab the wrong one by mistake when I reach on. So the the, the the denim one, the denim colored one, that's kind of your working man's camera, I'm guessing. So I I guess so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess Olympus, Olympus like that. They they just released the, the digital Pen F in that same uh, denim. They did like a limited edition uh, uh, Pen F digital camera in the denim. Um, and I, I, I watched the, there's a YouTuber that, that's into the micro four thirds. And I, so I messaged him and said, hey, I have a an OM2 that's like the denim blue. And he was like, wow, that's so cool. And I showed him the picture of it. So, Wow. Very cool. All right. So is that where we're wrapping this one up, Andre? I think so. All right. Well, sorry to anyone whose questions we didn't get to. Maybe we can uh, sweet talk uh, Lori into going into the Facebook group and answering those questions on that thread, uh, possibly, Lori. Huh? huh? Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, awesome. Uh, but yeah, we're trying to try to keep these shows around 90 minutes. It never happens, but uh, we're already at like an hour and 40, I think, at this point. So uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, and move on to the, the last segment and wrap this one up. So, uh, uh, But again, thanks to all the questions from the Facebook members of the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook group. And uh, again, sorry to anyone whose questions we didn't get to, but uh, we definitely appreciate it. Uh, we'll go ahead and take a break and come back for the last segment. So we'll be right back, folks. folks we're back for the final segment and we had a pretty good little chat in that little segment in between me letting my cat back in the garage who decided she wanted to go outside and then it started raining and now she realized that the comfort of the gutter man cave was a lot better than out there so uh but in that little conversation had some uh, some interesting uh interesting talk so uh maybe we should get into that andre how, how about you you were in, uh more here present for that conversation than i was so how about you kind of pose the question to Lori that we're trying to get at here so uh, the the way that I've you know managed to finagle <laughs> the 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 keyboard conversation into uh, into this discussion was essentially like other than um, 
you know, film photography, obviously, what are other things that you have as hobbies or things that you collect? Uh, jump the gun a little bit by, by saying the keyboard stuff, but why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. I, I know some of the guys on the Facebook group, when I've posted pictures of random things, have always called out, oh, is that an IBM Model M keyboard? Um, and yes, it is. Uh, I've owned this keyboard personally for uh, about 30 years. So a bit of the history of the keyboard, um, it's like the original keyboard uh, design that IBM made when they first released the IBM PC way back in the um, 80s, mid-80s. Uh, I've owned this one personally for about 30 years. Uh, these things are huge. Um, uh, it, it's really heavy. My one weighs about 2.5 kilos. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy heavy. It has a very unique sound and feel to it. Uh, it's designed after in one of those old IBM typewriters of the, six, of the 70s um, electric typewriters. So it's got that kind of really kind of tactile feel to it. And I just love typing on it. It's completely useless for for, for gaming because of the travel of the keys, but it uses something called a bucking spring to, to make the key press, which is actually a, a spring that uh, kind of buckles under tension and that causes the circuit to be made. Uh, so it's a real kind of fully mechanical tactile keyboard. Um, I'm going to type something now uh, to give you the kind of idea of, of um, what they sound like because they're very noisy. So if you work in an open plan office, uh, you're probably and we're interested in maybe picking one of these up, you need to be aware that these are very noisy and your coworkers will probably use this 2.5 kilograms to uh, brain you with <laughs> your own keyboard. So this is what they sound like. <laughs> it's a very noisy keyboard, um, but it's it feels um, amazing. Anyone who's typed on one of these things will know what I'm going on about when I say it's just an amazing keyboard to type on uh it's kind of the, the grandfather of all even the layout is kind of like the layout we that this keyboard has is what the layout the keyboards have uh even today 30 years later so it's 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 a uh, it reminds me of when like you know when you're like on call with one of those automated systems like oh let me help you with that what is your question and then you say something and then and it does this, this fake like <laughs> Like it's a it's a recording of a of a keyboard sound. Maybe maybe they're using that 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 audio file. <laughs> uh, yeah, may, maybe yeah. It's, it's it's definitely got a distinctive sound. I have um also have an old Mac um plus keyboard from the eighties from the original kind of um the the nineteen eighty four Mac. Uh, that's that's another mechanical keyboard that has a kind of a different sound and a different feel to it. But I also have one of those as well that's been converted to to USB. This keyboard is a uh, like a, a kind of a weird telephone cable that plugs into a five pin din that plugs into a ps2 connection which will take it into the 90s and then the ps2 is now onto an active usb which takes it into the 2000s so it's got like <laughs> several generations of uh of, of adapter cable it's kind of like adapting lenses i suppose i'm adapting keyboards to uh to work on a a modern pc and it's it's kind of funny because it's sitting in front of a a 34 inch curved widescreen monitor and a, a Bluetooth <laughs> mouse. So it, it looks really Ooh. weird. It looks really weird on my desk because it's everything else is really high tech. Is it sort of that? Is it sort of that off white color? Yes, of? it is. Yeah, yes. yeah. It's off white yeah. with an IBM, yeah. IBM, uh, little IBM badge on it. So yeah. Like Wait, that, Audrey. 
like that that kind of like yellowed uh plastic from like the Kodak pack on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, you can yeah. you can do you can totally do something called um, I guess they call it retrobrighting. If you watch any of the, right. the the YouTube channels, they call it retrobrighting. They do it for a lot of the old computer equipment where they leave it out in the sun with the, like a hydrogen peroxide mix, and they kind of brings back its color, I suppose. Um, so I watch a couple of those channels on YouTube, and they're they're doing that uh, retrobrighting on the on keyboards and on uh, computers and stuff like that. So. Wow, it's it's amazing how nerdy film photographers get about certain things. So, you know, it's funny. I had a nineteen in the early nineties. Our first PC that we bought, my dad bought for the the household, was an IBM PC. Uh, we bought from Radio Shack of all things. And somewhere in my attic, I have an IBM keyboard. And I wonder if it's wonder if it's maybe close or similar to the one you're talking about. If it's I a proper it IBM, have, it probably is. It says IBM on it, and even oh, nice. I remember. Yeah. I remember on the back of the funny thing was I remember the last time I looked at it, uh, the last time I saw it, uh, I think on the bottom of it it even said like "Made in USA." When's the last time you've seen a computer keyboard made <laughs> anything computer wise made in the states? So I, I might actually have one. I should mm. probably pull it down right and see if it's uh, see if I have a gym. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These go for quite a lot now on e- for, for a keyboard. They go they can go for quite a lot of money on, uh, oh, well, on eBay. But I definitely need to find out because I'll sell that sucker. But <laughs> <laughs> they're quite they're quite collectible. Wow. Okay. Well, I might have found I out. Just, a, I I hope you find a local buyer because at two and a half kilograms, it's going to be quite the hefty <laughs> right. shipping charge. Yeah. 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 This right. thing uh, is heavy. It's it's certainly heavy. Huh. Wow. Very cool. Now I was just talking about uh, how in in college when I built a, a gaming PC, I I ended up buying a, a mechanical keyboard. It wasn't a very you know nice old uh, IBM Model M uh, keyboard, but definitely as much fun as I had writing on it, the tactile experience, which I guess kind of connects again back to to film photography. As great as something like you know uh, an F one hundred or a, I. I there's somebody in our film, uh, in our podcast Facebook group, uh, who I, I can't, I think it's Thomas Eisel, but I, I could have that wrong. That yeah, just I think you're right. An F6. Got an F6. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Harry just picked up an F6 and M just picked up an F6 as wonderful and modern, uh, as you know, the, the experience of shooting those cameras are, uh, on the opposite end of things. Like Jake Rose just picked up like a 19, I think it's a 1937, uh, like Barnack Leica, um, and just the, the, the tactile experience of, of having something completely, you know, mechanical like that, uh, which in, we're still talking about, you know, electric, electronic keyboards, but that tactile experience, uh, a mechanical, uh, a keyboard with mechanical switches versus, uh, you know, your modern, you know, kind of clicky lapped, uh, well, not even clicky, but kind of like, <laughs> I don't know, mushy, uh, ratchety, <laughs> mushy laptop uh, keyboard. Oh yeah, yeah, they're all mushy now. Yeah, completely different. Yeah, and actually, it's kind of like the mushiness of modern keyboards is kind of like the mushiness of like the '90s film cameras. Like the the switches always feel a little softer. They don't click as hard and 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 fast as like the old man. Uh, mechanical cameras and all that so yeah i see us see folks we, we managed to find a way to tie in keyboards with film photography so you know just <laughs> just the magic of this podcast just uh <laughs> but, get one to do watches i get yelled at <laughs> right right uh well to go ahead and uh, kind of finish with one just kind of last uh photography question 
kind of uh, just to wrap on a film photography note uh uh what is it Lori, that you like as far as your photography what is it that like do you feel like you have a style like is there a certain type of photography you you kind of more concentrate in like what, what what's what's your main focus of photography or are you just kind of all over the place where, where are you at uh, with that i would say mainly i i don't even wouldn't even call it street um because i'm not like looking there to capture any kind of decisive moment um it's definitely not portraiture i really envy people that take portraits because i totally can't do that i'm hopeless at that um but uh yeah i just kind of just wander around with my camera and take things that look interesting to me uh mm -hmm. uh just and try and try and uh, work on my composition and just make interesting shots uh probably more artistic than 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 uh I try to go for a more artistic sort of slant to the, to the, to a shot. Um, so getting some of the shots, getting close or take a shot of something cool or where there's like a contrasting colors and things like that. Um, but I, it's something I definitely want to experiment with more and try and do a little bit better with, you know, not full on like street photography where you're, you know, waiting for something to happen and then just walking up to someone and, snapping a picture in their, their face and stuff. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I haven't got the, the nerve to do anything like that so i'm with uh, you there yeah just, just like just rant just kind of just i just usually just carry my camera around with me and a lot of the stuff i take i guess is of buildings and um uh, and and kind of the things i see in what i would call i guess sites you know or or, or things like that so like a lot of the shit uh, shots from my england trip have been just like you know architecture or inside the church or uh you know a, a sea an ocean scene or a seascape or something or boats on a river or something so much more kind of landscape photography but not like full-on like, Ansel really, adams type landscape yeah yeah, yeah. Not, yeah. no mm -hmm. not 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 the full-on kind of that kind of thing but somewhere a little bit between that and a like a snapshot mm -hmm. i'm with you there I, I, I sort of feel the same way i feel like i feel like i need a new term for the type of photography I do, uh, because uh, I don't think there's any term that really describes it. It's certainly not street, but yet I am kind of usually walking the streets. Mm. Uh, but and it's not necessarily like some people call it like urban decay or and all that stuff, which I am a fan of, and I do some of that. Uh, but I feel like it just needs to be some. I need to come up with some sort of term that describes. Uh, uh, I don't know. I guess it's just. Uh, Hey, I take photos of whatever looks fucking cool. That, that's my yeah, that's yeah. kind of stuff. <laughs> so, yeah. But, um, well, thank you, uh, Lori, so much for joining us tonight. It's been a real blast, and you've been an awesome guest. And it's nice to have somebody on here that, uh, I don't know, just uh, maybe knows a little bit more than what they're talking about than, than, than Andre and I do. So uh, it's uh, been a real pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much, Mike. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Awesome. Well, how about we get our socials out here and wrap this show up? Uh, Lori, uh, since we've been talking about your photography, where can people check you out? Uh, I think only my Instagram is uh, fashionista Lori uh, on Instagram. And um, I don't think I have, I don't really have a Flickr or anything like that. And I, I don't use Twitter that much. So yeah, fashionista Lori. Awesome. And Lori is very active on the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook group. And if you guys are not on that group, I know I know, Facebook kind of sucks, but that group does not. And you should join it because uh, you're missing out if you're, if you're not involved with that. Because, uh, yeah, and uh, she's been very active on that. And I had some really good uh, – did a couple of face casts recently, which I'm always happy to get some face casts. It always uh, makes my day to see uh, somebody kind of behind the scenes. You, I feel like you get to know people better that way. And uh, you've done some really cool stuff with some of your developing. And uh, so, yeah, I hope you continue that in the future. Mm -hmm. Awesome. 
Uh, Andre, where can people check you out? People can check out my uh, lack of... Po- I think it's been close to like six months since I've posted. <laughs> but, you know, if you have any hope that I will actually make a change in the new year, uh, you can check out my photography on Instagram at Andre on Film. <laughs> I am going to have a talk with Roxana Angles when she joins the show behind the scenes and get her to light a fire under your ass to post some photos. I, Andre, I, I went back and looked at some of your photos uh, that, that, I mean, I had to like, I had to like go into like the dark web to find any of them. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but you, you're, you take some really good photos, man, and you need to share them more. Like uh, you're a good photographer, man. And like, I don't think you give yourself enough credit and you should, you should show, uh, show the, show, show the people what you, what you do, man. I think you, you're, you're, uh, you're holding back on us. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you know that's 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 as nice as I'm going to be uh, on this episode to you. So just take that and run. But uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, you can see my photography on Instagram at Gutterman Photo on Facebook at Mike Gutterman Photography. Uh, you can join the Facebook group for this podcast, the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook group. You can email this program at negpositives at gmail dot com. We also have an Instagram account under the account name Negative Positives. Mostly ran by a friend of the show, Mr. Bryce Randall. If you submit photos to Instagram, think about using the hashtag negative positives and maybe Bryce will see it and highlight it on that account for all of us to check out. So uh, until then, uh, everybody have a great week and uh, huge thanks to Lori Brooks for joining us uh, this evening. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Everybody stay positive. And shoot some cool film photographs. There it is. All right, folks, take care. We'll see you soon. call my cat uh, taco beans or choo-choo beans and because he's fluent in cat spanish which is a completely different language uh but uh, i call him uh uh <laughs> choo-choo taco beans el grande catos and my my uh, my my son always corrects me it's it's not catos that's not how they say cat <laughs> and i'm like one well, cat spanish is catos i'm just saying it's yeah. a different language but, uh, I, I- I know our CEO had the job title uh, Queso Grande. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, actually he's now he's moved on. He's up in he's uh, on the board now. But yeah, when he was uh, CEO, that was his uh, his uh, title was Queso Grande. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty fun company to work for. A lot of crazy people. Uh, <laughs> nice, <but>. nice. <laughs> yeah, uh, we and it's funny we went to uh, a, a pet store. Uh, this was last weekend to get some cat food or whatever. And uh, they had like you know, kittens in, a, in cages and stuff where you could, you know, or not, or little, uh, I guess cages. But uh, so my son was looking at them and uh, a uh, Spanish speaking person, person came up and I think he said, uh, he said, uh, what did he say? Is it gatos? Is, is that yeah, cat? Yeah. 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 yeah, I think so. And my, and my son was like, see, dad, I told, <laughs> I told you. <laughs> so I, I had a question for you, Mike, about the, um, the apple 
watch. Uh, we were talking before we came on the podcast about uh, technology, and I said I just I won a uh, Gen 5 Apple Watch with work, so I've been using that for the last few weeks. Uh, and I had a question for Mike or anyone, really. Uh, maybe I should have posted it on the group. Have you ever forgotten to take off your Apple Watch when you've stuck your hand inside the developing bag? Uh, <laughs> thankfully, I haven't yet. I almost did, but oh, I, did. I, I stopped myself at the last minute. But right. uh, because it has that bright display, it does. I can imagine yep. that causing havoc with your your uh, your film, um, taking it off the film and putting it on, you know, put loading it onto a, a reel or something. I, I wonder have, if anyone's made that mistake. I'm sure it's happened. As a matter of fact, I've heard people talk about it. I fortunately have not done it yet. Uh, I always it's always a pain in the ass because you have to uh, like when I go to put my arms in the dark bag, I always have to take it off. And usually, there's been a couple of times I've popped my arms in there. And the watch will get hung up on the little elastic bands around the yeah, sleeves yeah. that you, and and I'm like, oh yeah, I gotta take my watch off. And I'm that's I'm exactly what that happened happens. to me. Yeah, that's exactly right. what happened to me. I was like, oh yeah, no, I can't do that. I better not. <laughs> right. So, folks, if you have a smarty watch, uh, yeah, uh, take that off before you get in that dark bag because those things, uh, just a little flick of the wrist, and they'll light they'll light up that dark bag like it's Christmas. So yeah. <laughs> even even if you if you have a non smarty watch as as Mike <laughs> said, uh, watches that that have you know luminous material on the dial, mm-hmm. uh, it seems like it's not a whole lot, especially you know if you've been indoors for a while and just looking at it, you know in the ambient light it doesn't really look like it's glowing i notice sometimes like when i go in the dark room at work if i still have my my watch on like you there's a faint glow and uh i haven't noticed a, a huge amount of fogging the times that i've forgotten and brought it into uh the the dark bag and thankfully i've never worn it while spooling cinestill like four thousand feet of cinestill film <laughs> uh, but definitely you know it's not only the smarty watches that you need to look out for if you've got a, a watch with a luminous material on the dial, take that sucker off before you get anywhere near your exposed film. Also, like even like uh, I, I guess they still make these, but like you know, in the '90s, it was a huge thing the the Timex Indiglow, and the, that little that little button uh, was pretty easy to press, and boy, that would light up a dark bag like crazy. The, the Indiglows were bright; they were bright as, as the smarty watches are. So yeah. you could be in there and like cussing and getting mad about something and and like just bump it and light up that Indiglow. If it, 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 Andre, you're the watch guy. They still is Indiglow still around? Yeah, uh, Timex uh, still makes it. I have a Timex yeah. week with the little Indiglow. Yeah, yeah. Man, that was huge when that came out. So, uh, <laughs> but Because uh, it ticks so loudly. Like, I've already got a loudly ticking mechanical heart valve that's inside of me. I don't need another <laughs> loud ticking thing to keep me up at night. A gutter man cave production! <laughs> 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 <laughs>